0: 607 Podcast to talk all things pro-wrestling. It's time for this week's edition of 607TWS live on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. Also, anywhere you get great podcasts by searching 607TWS. As always, we are coming to you live from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Game. I'm one of your hosts at 607 Podcast on Twitch, also the host of the 3 Fat Nerds Podcast. My name is Rich, joining me as he does each and every week in studio. He's the other host here on 607 Podcast on Twitch. But you also know him as the host
1: of the Show Duro Parlay, our podcast, better known as the OGPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? Talking pro wrestling. Well, nothing happened this week of pro wrestling.
0: show's over now, I'm joking.
1: All right, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next thank week.
0: Thank you, thank you. Maybe next week some news will happen or something will happen in the world of pro wrestling. Until then, no, I'm joking. You know, hey, well, pro wrestling is, uh, is buzzing. Big event last night. Yes. Big event. We're going to talk all about that in a minute. Of course, in the main event of this show, we're going to talk about some big events coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. Got uh, WWE's got an event called Money in the Bank. Yes, indeed. Also, GCW's got a huge, like, four-show weekend. Only GCW can pull this one off, folks. And, uh, of course, in the mid-card, if you're an AEW fan, lots of AEW stuff. Mm-hmm. We got some news. Lots of... There's an injury report from AEW. You can talk about that. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, Brian Danielson in specific after we talk about the injury report because there's a little bit of information out there there. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the cleaner, Kenny Omega, who's also on the injury report. However, we're going to talk about him because he's an awesome guy. Yes. And, of course, at first in the opening contest. Oh, yes. We are going to break down and talk all about AEW X The Forbidden Door. We got a lot to talk about. No sense in me wasting any more time. Yeah, I know it could be a cutesy, jokey, whatever, but there's no sense in me wasting any more time. But
1: before we can get into that, Kenem, we have to let the people know how to find the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Parlay points. New blogs count anywhere dropping this week. You definitely want to check that out. The Public store, the classified section, the directory. Anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at podcast.com.
0: and for the three fat nerds podcast it's simple go to 8122productions.com we have a t public link there as well a patreon link patreon.com slash 8122productions you're going to want to check that out we also have uh the t public link is there as well friends of the show like the odph like our friends at sci-fi horror fest going down august 26th and 27th in vernon down the vernon downs casino in vernon new york for all information, go to SciFiHorrorFest.com. And, of course, uh, musical uh, the, the musical mm-hmm. list, including our good friend, if you're listening for the countdown, Tom Jolu. Yes. And if you're listening when the show opens, who does the theme song, our good friend's Floodlands. You can find them there and so many other bands. Uh, you can find them on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp, and uh, local sponsors, etc., etc. All that and more at 8122Productions.com. Of course, if you uh, want to like to chat with me on social media, 3 Fat Nerds Pod. Throw an at in front of it if you have to. The easiest, absolute easiest way to find us. Uh, Of course, you know, we have a a lot going on in the uh, 8122 Production 607 Mm -hmm. Podcast world. We got a lot going on. Uh, I do want to make a show note about next week. Uh, I'll have to get with Ken M because next week we will not be coming to you on Monday night. Correct. Because Monday in the United States is the 4th of July holiday. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming... Uh, We'll either get together on Sunday or Tuesday, whichever day is a better day with uh, our scheduling. We don't know at this point in juncture because, uh, as I explained on 3FN this week, uh, the way my family and friends work, we don't really have plans until we have plans. Yeah. (laughs) So it could be Monday morning, it could be Tuesday, it could be uh, Sunday. Who knows? Well, me and Ken will get together, but you will have an episode of 607TWS next week. Don't you freck, keep your eyes on the social medias. We will let you know when we will be live on twitch.tv slash 607podcast and when the show is up anywhere you get great podcasts. Uh, so that's a quick show note that I want to get out of the way in the front. We'll probably talk about it at the end of the show as well, just because mm-hmm. I just wanted to have it out there for the folks, the fine, fine folks. Uh, But yeah, we talked about it on 3FN, too, because nobody's got plans. You know, I have plans in the afternoon on uh, 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 Independence Day, so
1: I won't be available that night. (laughs) I kind of figured as much, but yeah, we'll just fine-tune it. But that's why we say you drop that follow now, and you won't miss a moment of content, people. I like it. I just
0: wanted to bring up the show now early. But on top of that, you're not going to miss any great action from the 607 Podcast slash 8122 fam. I know that me and uh, Ken M are doing some bonus work this week as well. Yes. Shout outs to some friends, Ken M. I let the cat we don't know when it's coming out,
1: but I want to let the cat out of the bag. So you definitely want to go check out our fam over at They Call This a Movie. The 607 Podcast fam is going to be invading that show. So definitely shout out to Dan. You see him pop in the chat all the time if you're on Twitch. And if you're not, why not? You definitely want to see what we're going to have to be talking about. Uh, taking it back to the 90s for this one i know i gotta try to fit a time to watch this thing beforehand i hammered it out man it was it was it was a throwback let's just put it that way i've been busy yes yeah. you- I've,
0: I've watched elvis twice this weekend i've watched the black phone and i have also uh watched uh, uh forbidden door that took up a lot of my weekend by the way yes uh and shout outs to all those great movies if you want to hear our review of elvis the last episode of 3fn podcast which will be out everywhere tomorrow tuesday as we record live on monday Uh, You can check it out anywhere you get great podcasts. And, of course, already out there, we have that bonus episode Mm -hmm. where me and Diesel broke down our views and our full review of The Black Phone. You're not going to want to miss that. That's already out. So check out anywhere you get great podcasts by searching 3FN. I know. I know.
1: I'm getting off track. But I got to do the business stuff. Of course. It's always business first. And then, of course.
0: It's business. It's pleasure. And then it's more business. Yes.
1: Because
0: I think it's about damn time for... It's time. this show to actually officially kick off and how else are we going to start the show but to talk about aew x njpw the far bed and door Yes. It went down just yesterday as we record live on Monday, but for those of you who might not be listening to it on Monday mm-hmm. or Tuesday, uh or whenever you listen to the podcast, of course that would be Sunday, 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 June the 26th, 2022, from the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. And this has got to go down as the most cursed pay-per-view in the history of pay-per-views. Without question. And that's nothing against New Japan or nope. AEW. Nope. it's just like this whole thing with Snake Bit. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, right from the, you know, I mean, we knew the conception was a while ago. But the very first match announced for this card was the AEW World Heavyweight Champion CM Punk to defend that title against Hiroshi Tanahashi, the Ace. Mm-hmm. And then CM Punk was injured. Yep. And then we found out there was going to be an interim champion, and then that went well because that that worked out. Yeah. But then. The other title that was crowned last night, the All-American title, I mean, we're going to jump into it later, but originally, Tomohiro Ishii was a part of that match. Not so quick. Ishii gets hurt, replaced by the person he defeated in the Eliminator to come in, Clark Connors. We'll talk about that once again during the event. Of course, day before the show, we get word that the ticking time bomb Horomaru Takahashi will not be making it from Japan due to a fever and Japanese customs would not let him leave the country. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's a smart move. So he's out. Brian Danielson didn't know his, uh, you know, he, we knew he was on the injury reserve. Wednesday we found out we're going to have a replacement. So no ZSJ versus Brian Danielson. Correct. Now, mind you, I will give credit all day to AEW and New Japan. They definitely delivered with value in the replacement department. However, hell, this was literally the rebook show of all rebook shows. Mm. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I really enjoyed this show up front. I'm going to say that. I, I thought this was a, it was a good show. And you know what? With being Snake Bit, it could have been slightly better maybe if we would have gotten what we were promised. But no fault on AEW or New Japan. I think they did a great job on delivering the show, at least.
1: All things considered, they put on a great show. Because, like Rich Sushapon, this show has been cursed from the jump. And marquee names. Uh, Yes. And this is the the big names, the dream matches everybody wanted. And I will give credit to Tony Khan and the Powers of the B. They made the best card possible with all the factors thrown against them for the most part in my opinion.
0: So, are you ready to talk about Forbidden Door? Yes. Let's dive right in. Uh, in this case, with Forbidden Door, I'm going to for we're going to go match by match, except for the buy-in. I'm going to go through the entire buy-in, which was four matches, and we can talk about it as a whole because I don't think any of these necessarily need to be talked about one by one. Correct. Okay, so let's go ahead. Uh, the opening contest in the buy-in on the seven o'clock hour for, for absolutely free. So even if you didn't order the pay-per-view, you could have watched this for absolutely free. Uh, the chaos team of Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi defeated the factory team of Aaron Solo and Q.T. Marshall eight minutes and fifty-five seconds. The second match on the buy-in, Suzuki Goon representative Lance Archer, the Murder Hawk monster, defeated Nick Camarado of the Factory in 6 minutes and 8 seconds. The third match on the uh, buy-in, Swerve in our glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, defeated the Suzuki Goon team of El Desperado and Kanemura 12 minutes and 8 seconds. And in the last match of the final match, uh, was an 8-man tag Max Caster and the Ass Boys, including Billy Ass, uh, defeated Alex Coughlin, Kevin Knight, the D, uh, the DKC, and Yua, Yua in 5 minutes and 35 seconds. All of them, of course, are from New Japan Strong in the LA Dojo. Uh, so, most notably, the first contest, QT Marshall had talked to Twitter earlier in the day, and had made some comment about, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, because I don't really, I, I'm not going to give him the time of day, really, but he had made some comment about people complaining about their favorites not being on, don't worry, you can see them on Bacha Mania. Mm. I think he, um... I think he cursed himself because we will be seeing QT Marshall on Batchamania as he went to do a Sasuke special, which is a cart is a cartwheel backflip into a over the top rope tope. And uh if you can't do it QT, don't attempt it cuz he crashed and burned and it's probably lucky he didn't injure himself.
1: Yeah, if you're not Ricochet, you should probably not try pulling that move off.
0: Or or our good friend Ninja Back? Yes. Does it in every match or Jack Cartwheel? Mhm. There's other guys who can do it. QT Marshall,
1: not so much. No.
0: And uh, I, one, the only reason I bring that up, and, the, and I don't really like making fun of people for botching like that, is because he was the asshole who was like, "Ha oh, I'm on the show, and your favorites are, and they're going to be on Botchamania."
1: <laughs> yeah, he put well, that no. out. Yeah, he put that out, and you're going to be happens. on Botchamania,
0: my guy. Also, he fucked up like four times in that match. So, but what do you expect? Uh, I, I'm almost uh, almost convinced that QT Marshall's on the try to get fired so he can be back up Cody Rhodes' ass. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It wouldn't be a big loss for all elite wrestling. I don't think anybody out there is going to be like, oh, he's a big loss. Yeah. Uh really other than that, I mean, the Lance Archer match, Nick Comarado got a little bit more time than I thought. I think Lance Archer should have just squashed that Jabron. Uh the the tag match was really good the uh, swerve in our glory against the Suzuki Goon team. I thought that was very good. But, I yeah. really liked that. It's probably the best match of the buy-in.
1: Correct. I, I fully back that up. And,
0: and it's actually in comparison to the night. It was, And there was great matches on the night. Don't get me wrong. It was one of the better matches all night long as well. Saying something for that great, the two great tag teams in the match. And then <laughs> the 8 bad tag. Why did it even happen? Because we only ended up with four on two because the Ass Boys, after Dan Housen shows up on the screen for reasons, uh he says he has a gift for the ass boys and that is a remix of ass man but we're the ass boys and which makes them run to the back abandoning their dad and max caster who still get the victory over four dojo kids
1: yeah this match didn't even need to happen like i understand the comedic purposes obviously max caster want to get the crowd hyped up and did a great job too with the, intro By the way, rap. His, his rap was good yes was very good yeah, but at, but overall, I mean, there was no real purpose for this match, especially four-on-two, defeating the dojo like that. I ugh, I did not like how that went down. But it served its purpose. Crowd was definitely excited by the time it all rolled in. So We had our best version
0: of the commentary team on the night because all three of these guys were on the commentary team all night, Taz, Excalibur, and Kevin Kelly from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were really good during the buy-in, and I was looking forward to just being them on the main card. But, of course, throughout the night, we interchanged some people. Yeah. Uh, one of which was, of course, Tony Schiavone, who came out for the cheap pop for the, it's Sting! Yeah. And of course, later on, actually in a cool move, when the tag team match was on, Caprice Coleman came out, representing Ring of Honor. Of course, him and Kevin Colley used to call Ring of Honor together in the past, so that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And of course, for the last few bouts, we had to have Jim Ross, yeah. who was the voice of my youth, and I love Jim Ross, but I have always compared him to... John Madden, God rest his soul, Mm. uh, in the aspect that when John Madden was a commentator towards the end of his career, it was a little rough. Same thing with Jim Ross. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I thought that the three-man crew that was there all night, Taz, Excalibur, and... uh, uh, Kevin, Kevin Kelly did an amazing job.
1: I agree, too. I thought they really kept the energy up for all the matches. I didn't like when they were adding everybody in there. I understand you want to get everybody their time, with the exception of Coleman. I thought Caprice... And,
0: that was kind of nice to get a rub since they're not really doing much with Ring of Honor right now. We did get an announcement we'll talk about later about mm-hmm. Ring of Honor, though.
1: Yeah, no, but I thought his, him going there was you know, a perfect fit for that match and definitely added an extra feeling for the energy going on there. But yeah, with JR, like, I, I'm with you. JR was, is, is a legend, but for that moment, we didn't need him on. Also,
0: MVP of commentary that night, and I'm not meaning this facetiously. I'm actually being honest. Was Taz?
1: Yes, Taz, Taz is insights it. all
0: night. We're fucking amazing. He had very few of the Taz botches, mm-hmm. which I, I don't blame him for them. There's a couple of them that were just minor, so it's not a big deal. But his like, like him, him talking about what holds do to people and the certain different holds, especially Japanese holds was really cool like taz really gave a good insight i really thought that it was a good and uh when certain things happened in the night he was able to kind of cover them up a little bit because he just took over and said well this is what probably happened in this match and blah blah blah, blah, blah.
1: i'd love so, to see him get permanently on dynamite star.
0: by the way all star for taz on this one i know some people judge him for his Tazisms. it's on botchamania even in mm-hmm. separate taz commentary but he did a great job that night so mvp for him all right, let's talk about the card, though. We're going to break this down one by one. I know in the past we've been kind of speeding it up a little bit, but I feel like a lot of these matches, some of them we'll obviously say more about than others. Sure. Uh, this first match, I don't think we'll have a ton to say about, but we will say this. Uh, we had the team of uh, Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki. And the Jericho Appreciation Society, represented by Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, with Ty Conte in their corner, they defeated the team of Eddie Kingston, Shota Yumino, who is the son of Red Shoes, and Wheeler Yuta. This match got 18 minutes and 58 seconds, and uh, this was a really good opener. And Shota Yumino
1: looked amazing in this match. He's the MVP of this. That's the only headline you need from this match. He absolutely stole this from everybody else involved. Of course,
0: later in the night, for reasons, uh, Chris Jericho had to throw a fireball in his face in a background segment for no fucking reason, other than the fact that he has to remind us he's a wizard. Uh, so that was a down thumb later in the night. I don't want to put it in where it was in the card, because I don't even remember at this point in
1: juncture. It was late. It was, it was stupid. It was late and pointless.
0: But uh, Sh- uh, Shota was pretty awesome in this match, So. Thumbs up for him. It was a good match overall, though. I didn't mm-hmm. dig it. A lot of back and forth. Uh, you know, you got the hard-hittingness from Kingston and Suzuki, like we expected. Oh, the spirit test. Uh, Sammy did some really cool crazy shit, which is normal. And, you know, Chris Jericho's Chris Jericho. Wheeler Yuta, also very good in this match. So, yep. overall, I, I thought this was one of the better matches of the night. Solid opener. Next up, we had the IWGHP Tag Team Titles. And the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Titles on the line. Winner takes all in a three-way tag team Extravaganza. by the way if for those of you at home it is IWGP not IWJP which I thought saw reported by a bunch of different people yeah. because they obviously don't watch New Japan and if you were wondering once again it stands for International Wrestling Grand Prix those are what the, all the New Japan titles are named after so International Wrestling Grand Prix IWGP is the governing body of New <laughs> Japan Pro Wrestling I did see a lot of things today where they said IWJP I just want to make that known because this is the first title match. Yeah. So the IWJ, IWGP, I almost botched it because of them, uh, tag champions coming into this was the United Empire, Great O'con and Jeff Cobb. The Ring of Honor World Tag Team champions coming into this was Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, the FTR. And the other team that did not bring gold into the party was, of course, the legendary hongi Vice, Rocky Romero, and Trent Barretta. At the end of the day, 16 minutes and 19 seconds, no matter what, we had an end so I get to say it and still the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions and new IWGP Tag Team Champions, the FTR, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. Uh, this was a phenomenal match. There was only one questionable part of this match to me, and uh, afterwards we found out it was a work for sure. Uh, was at one point in Juncture, Dax Harwood went down with what looked like a dislocated shoulder. They took him to the back. He came back for the healer's welcome about eh, seven minutes later, give mm-hmm. or take. Yeah and yeah kind of almost like nothing happened uh I understand what they were going for more sympathy and stuff maybe to throw people off the scent of FTR winning but at the end of the day I thought this was unneeded uh I do believe that the United Empire team w- along with Ropongi Vice did a very good job of covering it in, but I would have liked to see a lot more
1: of all three teams and I think we got robbed of that with that booking decision to add that extra element into the match was unnecessary. Like, Listen, FTR was the crowd favorite. Everybody has been getting on board with them, now being faces and arguably the biggest tag team on pro wrestling I'm scene gonna say, right now.
0: They are the best tag team in the world today. Yeah. Maybe not of all time. They're, no, no. They're moving up that list. Yeah. But they are the best tag team in the world today. Uh, right now, currently, your AAA tag champions, your Ring of Honor tag team champions, your IWGP, tag team champions they should be the AEW tag team champions
1: yeah but that's another reasons for a whole different ball but, there.
0: but you know they've been the number one contender for like six months but I digress mm-hmm. it was a great match and to take
1: out Dax who has been the MVP of AEW yeah like it just it was pointless and you did not need to add that extra drama into this match we didn't need that Willis Reed moment where he comes back after you used left you know to think he was gonna be taken out of the match like there was no point to it like, I'm sorry. There was absolutely no sense to be made from
0: this. I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily like it. I understood what the logic behind it was. The logic was really kind of shy doubt. Everybody thought the FTR was going to walk out, which they did with the belts. Mm-hmm. However, they wanted to put some doubt on it. I get that. But I just think it robbed us of seeing all, all six men interact. Absolutely. Uh, once again, Ropongi it was still a great match. Ropongi vice United Empire tore it up. And the FTR tore it up from the time of the wing, but we got robbed for a good, like, seven minutes of the full six men, in my opinion. But once again, still a great match, and I'm super happy. And over the moon, the FTR is the new IWGP World Tag Team Champions to add to that star list.
1: Can't wait to see them go over to New Japan and, and have some great matches with the talent over there. Well,
0: we found out because of them being the only, well, Wheeler Yuda as well, but he wasn't booked this way, being the only Ring of Honor representatives. We did find out July 23rd, mm-hmm. Ring of Honor will be back on pay-per-view, unfortunately, on BR Live for Death Before Dishonor. Yeah, So they'll be back for their, their second show since they came back with Supercard, their second show under Tony Khan. Tony Khan and, well, I shouldn't say All Elite Wrestling because Tony Khan has been very adamant and clear that Ring of Honor is not owned by... All Elite Wrestling It is owned by Tony Khan, and they are two separate entities. So, Tony Khan's Ring of Honor regime will have its second show July 23rd from uh, Massachusetts. Yes. Uh, Lowell, Lowell, Massachusetts to be exact. And, of course, that will be on BR Live. If you're watching, you can see me kind of squeam because I don't want anything in BR Live. Please make it available on Fight.tv. Also, Tony, I need to know if I'm still getting that for free, since I'm still... My Honor Club is good through September. I just need to know. That's
1: a great question.
0: Just need to know. All right. Let's move ahead to talk about the next match, which was a four-way match for the All-Atlantic, AEW All-Atlantic Championship. And, of course, we were crowning a new champion at the end of the day, pac defeated Clark Connors, Malachi Black, and Miro in 15 minutes and 10 seconds to become your first ever AEW All-Atlantic champion. Um, I'm happy Pac won. Let's start Mm -hmm. there. However, I'm happy the end of the match, as far as Pac's concerned, was cool. Because you had the, the almost... I don't know if he was going for an armbar or a guillotine. I couldn't really kind of tell with uh, Malachi. He transitioned. Because he transitioned a little bit. And, of course, Pac hit the 450. I thought I was going to go for the black arrow, but it was a 450. And uh, landed square on Malachi Black yeah. and Clark Connors, but mostly Malachi Black to get the pin and win. My problem, though, came right before. Miro looked like he was going to get Pac to tap out in the camel clutch. Mm-hmm. Malachi Black, after a good time, they did a good job of this. I, by the way, the build for this was great because I thought, fuck, here we go, Miro's going to win. So yeah. they did a good job. Malachi Black comes in. Black mist to the face. Black mass kick, or whatever you want to call it these days. I don't think they've actually officially named it in AEW. Am I wrong? I, I like to call it the fade to black, but I don't think they call it that.
1: No, they call it something else. But you...
0: So anyways, however you look at it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, The finish for Malachi Black. And then Miro proceeds a no-sell. I heard people, well, he, he was in stuttered stand until he got out of the ring. No, he stood still for He took the a whole good, shot for a good 20 seconds. Well, he gets kicked. Yeah. And then he stands there for 20 seconds before taking three steps very slowly and then dumping himself out the middle rope to the floor. He powdered out. Yeah. He didn't take he didn't why didn't he take the fucking bump and just roll out? Yeah. I thought that was super disrespectful. The match as a whole was good. But I just did not like that spine. It left a bad taste in my mouth. And thankfully Pac hit a nice, wonderful move at the end of the match to kind of make you forget about it a little bit. But and I'm glad that's why I'm glad Miro's not the champion, because that's selfish shit like that that is a problem.
1: That took away from the match. Like that's the one thing that is really standing out from an otherwise great match. And I'm with you, Malachi Black should have got this title. Like I, I'm happy Pac won, mm-hmm. and I'm very happy Miro did not, because he didn't need it. I'm sorry for guys that have been there. And especially for Malachi too, who was the big WWE star who came in and kind of got lost in the shuffle, except now he's finally getting some momentum going with the House of Black. They should have gave him the belt. You could have done a nice feud with Death Triangle, gone back and forth about the the title now. I think they're going to do it the other way around with Death Triangle, Mm -hmm. so I'm okay with this, but still. Once again, I'm
0: uh, I'm not as upset since Pac won. Because I, I one of those two should have won the match, yeah. and they did. I would have preferred Malachi, as we talked about, but I just the no sell kind of took the, it, left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, what are you fucking doing? Yeah, just take the bump and powder out. The fact that he stood there literally for twenty seconds before he took a couple steps and just kind of rolled out of the ring through the middle rope, like never sold the fact that he just took the finish kick. Yeah, never sold it. Like at this stage, there's no excuse for it, in my opinion. It was selfish by Miro, period. And maybe that's a reason why you probably shouldn't book him in these things, you know? I'm just saying. Next up, we had a six-man tag team match. The Dudes with Attitudes. Oh. Darby <laughs> Allen, Shingo Tagagi, and Sting defeated the Bullet Club team of El Phantasmo and Matt and Nick Jackson in 13 minutes in one second. Big takeaways from this match. First of all, seeing the Young Bucks come out in Bullet Club gear... Oh. Little throwback. They did the bullet club stuff, which He's is beautiful. it's still my heart. Al Fantasma always a big plus in these matches.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And I'm going to throw it out there. This match was better than I thought it was going to be on paper, and it, it far exceeded what I thought. There was only one. God, there was only one real bad, glaring mistake in this match, and that was after Sting cleared the ring, and Fantasma turned around to take a move from Sting. But Sting powdered to the outside to go after somebody else before realizing, oh, shit, yeah, I'm supposed to be back in the ring. So Fantasmo did his best to try to be distracted again to go into the spot. But, yeah, that, but you know, you got to give him some leeway. He's an old man. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, I thought this was actually a very good match and way better than I thought it ever could be.
1: This was the best Young Bucks match I think I've seen in AEW. Maybe it's tied up there with the Lucha Brothers cage match. This has been the young bucks we've been waiting for. Not the same old five moves in a match. I'm sorry. Like they actually were really living up the heels like they were when they were in Bullet Club. And I wish they would come back to this. Like we were talking about this at the watch party. This is the Bucks that I want to see on TV all the time. I don't want to see the current gimmick of them. The Bucks of Youth. Yes. Like this was a fun match. It even started with a Batman homage from Sting being at first, they we thought he was up in the rafters. Thankfully, he wasn't. Thankfully, he wasn't. But he did a dive off the top of the set, which was cool. Yeah, 62 years old, jumping off that set. And at least there were three people there to catch him. Yes. That was a crazy spot, but it was a fun way to kick it off. And then, like I say, other than Sting missing his cue, uh, this was a really good match. Even with him missing his cue, this was better than I thought it was going to be. Yes. So kudos to everybody involved. Uh, Next up, the AEW Women's Champion
0: World title was on the line. Your champion, Thunder Rosa, defending against Tony Storm. This match got 10 minutes and 42 seconds at the end of the day. And still the AEW Women's
1: World Champion,
0: Thunder Rosa, La Mera Mera. This was actually a really good match. Really good match between both of these women laid it out there. Very hard hitting.
1: Yeah, very strong style.
0: They didn't leave anything at home, and uh, I enjoyed this match immensely.
1: This is what we needed. Thunder Rosa gets a big win over a star and is really starting to get some momentum for her title reign, which is long overdue, and let's keep this going.
0: Next up, the IWGP United States title was on the line, even though the champion still does not have the belt. As a matter of fact, rock hard! (laughs) Juice Robinson was in attendance with the belt and said that uh, the next show in Japan, he would face the winner of this match for the belt, even though he's not champion.
1: Yeah, reasons.
0: Interesting. Uh, But the real champion, and also the Rev Pro Commonwealth champion, the Billy Goat, the Commonwealth Kingpin, Will Osprey, went one-on-one in defending the IWGP United States Championship against Orange Cassidy. This match got 16 minutes and 43 seconds. And at the end of the day, and still IWGP United States Champion, Will Osprey. But I'm going to say it. This match, best story of the night? possibly best match of the night. And the reason being is that the first about 6-7 eh, minutes of this match, mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy was in gimmick of Orange Cassidy. Thumbs up, pants in pocket. Got a little bit of offense in the beginning, but then very quickly Will Osprey started to dominate him and was embarrassing him, putting his foot on his neck. Yeah. Just kicking him like lightly. At one point in ducks he was giving him the quad kicks to the face, just anything he could do to embarrass him, telling him, "Why are you even here?" You're an embarrassment to wrestling. You're an embarrassment to yourself. Why are you here? I'm not going to pin you right away. I just want to beat you up because you're nothing. You're beneath me. He was really laying it in verbally on Cassidy. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Cassidy did a little comedy bit where he did uh, light Kawada kicks to which Osprey got mad and looked at him and kind of face mushed him. And the response to that was Orange Cassidy said, fuck the gimmick. And we got Orange Cassidy, the wrestler. Yes. And we turned the next almost 10 minutes of the match, the majority of the match, into a wonderful back and forth with Will Osprey and Orange Cassidy, which I've always known that Orange Cassidy had it in him. He just doesn't break character often. I'm glad he did for this match because it told a great story. It was like Osprey pissed him off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he finally he finally comes out of his shell. Great match back and forth. Looked like at, uh, at one point in juncture. Technically, Orange Cassidy won the match when the referee counted the three. Yeah. He the there were some referee boxes this night. But uh, anyways, the end of the match, I loved the end of this match. The reason why I said this is possibly my favorite match of the night and why I said that this is uh, the storytelling I already told, but the reason why I think this is the best match of the night is not only was it great back and forth, no, you know, no, no punches pulled, But usually, in big matches, because this was a big match, uh, Osprey likes to do the Hidden Blade into Stormbreaker for a finish. But instead, knowing how the crowd would react, and I think that this was smart on him and Orange's part, he went uh, Silent Blade into a pin, which Orange kicked out at two and a half. Mm -hmm. Crowd goes ballistic. Yeah. And while the crowd was still going ballistic, he loaded him up for Stormbreaker, gave the crowd the finger before delivering Stormbreaker for the one, two, three. I thought it was a great way for Will Osprey to continue being a heel. I thought it was a great way to show that Orange Cassidy has a ton of heart and it's not easy to beat him. And I, I, I just thought that that was a beautiful storytelling and the finish of the match told the great story. This from beginning to end, honestly, I was a little pissed off in the beginning of the match because it was like, what are they doing? Why is he doing gimmick against one of the best wrestlers in the world? But when it switched over and I was like, okay, that's when I got into the match. I was like, okay, this, this is a good storytelling. He was wrestling in gimmick because that's what Orange does. And then Will
1: Osprey embarrassed him. And finally he said, you know what? To hell with the gimmick. Let's go. This started off on a bad note for me because I was expecting his old theme music. I was disappointed. Oh, was... because
0: it was announced by Fightful that he would be coming out to Jane by Jefferson uh, Airport. Starship. 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 Sorry. Yeah. I know they're two different bands. But, yeah. yeah. And instead, uh, at the last hour, he said they were only 95% ready with that, which I don't understand that because either you have
1: the rights or you don't. But I understand you were upset there, but still the match. No, the match. Yeah, I know. Like I said, because I would have popped like nobody's business because that would have been perfect for that crowd. But I agree with you. The match started slow and it definitely seemed like this was a waste of time because we, we, we've talked about this in the past too. Will Osprey, in my opinion, should have got a more high profile match on the card, maybe against the TNT champion at the time, maybe against you know a more main event level name, but I will give kudos to Orange Cassidy because when he broke gimmick, finally, this was a fantastic match. I agree. This is a four and a half star match. You could you could argue the five if you really want to push it. I just take I would it agree with you for the four and a half. Yeah, but I give it four and a half just because the it took too long for him to get pissed off to actually wrestle. But this told a perfect story. Will Osprey was playing into that crowd too, and I loved how he didn't go from the Hidden Blade to Stormbreaker.
0: Oh, I did. I thought that yeah. was perfect. I thought when I watched it, I'm like, because I've seen enough Will Osprey matches oh, yeah. where I'm like, okay, Big ma- and in other matches he can end matches with the Silent Blade. But or hidden blade, I said silent hidden blade. But I'm like, okay, this is a big this is a big match. Usually big matches, he goes hidden blade right into Stormbreaker. So we saw him do it against Nick Wayne. Mm-hmm. It's just the finish, boom. I mean, earlier in the match, and Nick, Nick Wayne, he went for the, the the hidden blade and didn't get it, right? Uh, but in the when it came to the end, it was hidden blade Stormbreaker, end of the match, and we've seen that a bunch. So it was cool to show, oh, I went for Hidden Blade. This match should be over. Oh, two and a half. And the way the crowd reacted was fucking perfect.
1: Yeah, you could not t- You could not make that a better moment. And it was
0: loud. It was obnoxiously loud, which is beautiful. And it was just like, without missing a beat, he fucking just hooked him up, gave, got him to the shoulder, and gave the finger to the crowd right before dropping him for Stormbreaker for the one, two, three. Uh, one of my other favorite parts of Will Osprey being an asshole was during the beatdown of Orange Cassidy when he went the into pockets. Orange's pocket he goes into Orange's pocket, and he pulls out his hand, and he gives the crowd the finger. Yes, <laughs> it was beautiful.
1: A fantastic heel. Like, what beautiful. else can you say about Osprey? He is just on a whole different level right now. But this was my match of the night.
0: But after the match, himself and Aussie Open of the United Empire did beat down Orange Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little punish, you know. Basically, it almost looked like Will Osprey was like, "Wait a minute, you were supposed to be a joke. I embarrassed you. You should still be embarrassed. I can't believe I had to work." So, I'm going to beat you up. I think that was really the story. So, we could, good continuation of a story. Yes. Brought out Rapongi Vice after a little bit. Like, it was kind of a little uncomfortable how long they waited.
1: Weird timing.
0: But we get the payoff. Music hits. It is the one and only Shibata. Yeah. Making an appearance at Forbidden Door that we didn't think was going to happen. He comes out. He uh, clears the ring of Osceola. Well, Aussie Open goes to jump him. He clears them out real fast. And then he clears out Will Osprey kind of quickly because it's Shibata. Yeah. And uh, we got a cool moment at the end where Orange Cassidy uh, gave him the glasses. Yes. <laughs> Put the glasses on. So Shibata in glasses, he kind of looks like uh, Bruce Lee a little bit. It, it was perfect. It great. Uh, so I was very happy to see Shibata. That was a good, awesome surprise. But we weren't done with surprises because we got back-to-back surprises. Because mm-hmm. the next match was the match where Zack Sabre Jr. was supposed to take on Brian Danielson. So Suzuki Goons, Zack Saber Jr. comes to the ring. We got to see the promos before, where he was basically saying that uh, Danielson's a coward, and that uh, he's obviously not really injured, that uh, he just doesn't want to fight ZSJ mm-hmm. because he knows that he's the best technical wrestler in the world. And uh, okay, we've we had weeks of speculation. Well, we had weeks of speculation about the people being on the show, but then we had from Wednesday to then to know that we we're going to get somebody in this match. And, of course, the big, the big one that everybody was talking about was Claudio Castagnoli. And not to be, you know, not done, they, it was Claudio Castagnoli. They, they, they delivered, which I think if they wouldn't have delivered, it would have been
1: bad. Yeah, it definitely would have gotten ugly real quick.
0: And uh, I, we came out, and our good friend Lincoln was so upset because he thought they were going to squash him because literally Castagnoli comes out, he does a pump kick, he hits him with the Rocola bomb, or no, not the Ricola Bomb, the Neutralizer. Because yep. he, did he didn't he did use the Ricola Bomb until the end of the match. But he hits him with the Neutralizer, and he was like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and he goes for the pin, and then Zack Sabre kicks out like two and three quarters. Uh, and then the match was actually, believe it or not, the match got 18 minutes, 26 seconds. At the end of the day, Claudio Castagnoli, representing the Blackpool Combat Club, defeats ZSJ via the Ricola Bomb. How'd you feel about uh, Claudio Castagnoli in AEW and at Forbidden Door and his match with Zach Sabre Jr.?
1: Well, Claudio is a great fit for AEW. I just hope he gets a lot of time, and it's going to be interesting to see how they balance him in the B.C.C. Uh, if Danielson is coming back sooner than later, just because if he's going to be if Danielson's going to be out for a while, I think Claudio can definitely fill in for a lot of the matches that would be set up for storyline purposes, especially mm-hmm. against the J.A.S. But I thought for his debut, crowd was definitely amped up for him. He came in, definitely made a big splash. And it was great to see a win. And, and, you know, it didn't feel like 18 minutes, too. No, it didn't. It was a very good match,
0: though. It was very good, very technically sound. One of my favorite matches of the night. Also, take nothing away from these two gentlemen. Uh, I thought they had a very nice match out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Claudio, uh, let's see where he goes. Yeah. Let's get into the last two matches of the evening, shall we? Both with titles on the line. First up, fatal four-way match for the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, your champion, the Switchblade, Jay White, defending against Adam Cole baby hangman adam page and the rainmaker kazuchika okada this match got 21 minutes and five seconds at the end of the day and still iwgp world heavyweight champion the switchblade jay white stealing a victory from the grass of okada um Let's talk about the the elephant in the room sure uh, I will say this the match was very good yall I, I thought match. for a four way match I didn't feel like it shined on one person too much I felt like everybody got equal in the match which is good I also didn't feel like it was a confusing match mm-hmm. I thought they did a very good job of like making it very clear who was in the ring. A lot of two one-on-ones, a lot of two-on-ones, stuff like that, but they always... It, it wasn't confusing. You know, sometimes the shit breaks out and you can't keep your eyes on everybody? Yeah. I think they did a good job. It's one of the better put together four ways that I've seen in a while. So I, I don't want to take anything away from this match. I thought it was very good. The end of the match, a little sus, but with the caveat that there looks like there was an injury. So whether it was during a drop kick spot or a German spot earlier in the match, sometime in the match, which... Adam Cole was already injuring with an injured shoulder. Mm -hmm. Sometime during the match, it appears that Adam Cole ate a concussion. Yeah. Uh, Once again, there was a German where he landed awkward on it. looked like his head. Uh, Right before the finishing thing, there was a beautiful iconic dropkick. But when he took the bump, his head did smack off the mat. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one it was. I can't tell you. We don't know. Right. But it looks like and was confirmed that concussion protocol was being followed Mm -hmm. after the match. So this is what leads to the confusion. So the, the last three moves, Okada, drop, kick to come back from uh, Adam Cole being in charge. He goes into, instead of doing his normal tombstone, he does a Michinuka driver. Correct. Which looks safe. That's why I don't think it was that. And then he gives Cole up to give him the Rainmaker. But when he ripcords him to go for the clothesline, Adam Cole falls to the ground. Now, at the time, we're like, did he duck it? But it didn't look like it looked like he just went limp and then he rolled instantly to the corner. Well, Jay White comes out from the outside of the ring, hits Okada with the Blade Runner. Okada powders out, and then Jay White rolls Adam Cole like two times, hooks the leg one, two, three. But on the count, right before the three count, Adam Cole, it's not like a big kick out, but he lifts his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And the referee, of course, ignores it because he wasn't supposed to do that. Which I credit the referee for. Sure. I completely think that the finish of that match was supposed to be Cole eats the Rainmaker. Okada, before he can pin, eats a Blade Runner. Switchblade pins Cole. Mm-hmm. And what happened was when he took the concussion and he was loopy, he obviously collapsed before the Rainmaker. By his probably normal, knowing where he is in the ring, because he is a great wrestler, Yeah, rolled to the corner. And then Jay White, not knowing any of this happened, just hit. And I mean, I, I'm sure he saw him fall, but he probably didn't know what was going on. Right. He just went into the finish and rolled him out, which once again, there was no neck injury or anything. So it wasn't like it was dangerous for Cole to be rolled out of the corner. Mm-hmm. But I think Cole, when he kicked out, wasn't because he was like somebody was, I know there was a few idiots on the internet that were like, oh, he's just trying to sandbag him. No, guys in his head, he probably didn't know where the fuck he was. Exactly, And he just out of like instinct was like, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not supposed to get pinned and tried to throw his shoulder
1: up. Mm -hmm. And the referee to his credit in this case said, fuck that. That didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean for this situation. Yeah. Cole did get hurt in this match. We just can't figure out what, at what point, but he tried going on as much as he could until he got to that rainmaker spot. And then, yeah, he just collapsed in the corner, but not everybody else in the ring knew what was going on. But Jay White, he did look mad at the end because, obviously, when Cole just kind of did a natural instinct because he has no idea what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. If you've never had a concussion, trust me, you really do not have an idea what is happening. This was a situation that they made the best of the bad scenario.
0: And of course, Jay White, I'm sure, in the back was like, oh, man. Oh, I'm yeah, as should as found whatever, out. I guarantee you. I mean, uh, the Bucks came on. I think for storyline purposes, the Bucks, when they came out, gave them a little shit, but that wasn't because of what happened in the ring. Mm. They were probably just trying to save face because at this point in Juncture, we have the medics in the ring. We know that there's something wrong with Adam Cole. And uh, for by the way, for all the people out there that were talking shit about Adam Cole and his in-ring performances and his fucking maybe not being in 100% great shape or whatever the fuck you're accusing somebody of, fuck you, the guy's out there wrestling injured and then still puts on a classic and at some point in juncture, got injured even more but still finished the match out yeah like come on man to, to you guys need to take a fucking step back and get off your shit I mean I'll be the first to be like you know I'm I'm a, I'm a guy who's like oh you know maybe they should you know especially when you see a guy like Jay White you're like that guy is fucking shredded but you know what I don't care about anybody's body as long as they're delivering and Adam Cole already injured coming in working through an injury mm-hmm. takes another injury in this match probably a concussion which is what was believed by Tony Khan even and somehow still made it to the end of the match did it Drive the wind out of the sails at the time? Yes, unfortunately. Uh, but that's no fault to Adam Cole, and that's definitely no fault to Okada or Hangman Page or uh switchblade Jay White. They did the best they could. It was a great match. Mm. The finish was a little wonky, but it was because of injury. It's just what it is. And when I watched it at first, I was like, what the fuck just happened? And then when we saw the replay, we're like, uh, ah! It, somewhere in this match, he obviously got hit hard and he there was a couple different spots. I saw the German spot where it could have happened and also on that drop kick it could have happened. Or maybe it originally happened on the German spot and the drop kick when he hit his head again made it worse.
1: Yeah, that's where I'm kind of guessing it went. But you gotta give credit to Cole for still going through and trying to make something happen, especially when he's injured and coming into this match very injured. Like that's the one thing that people don't realize is not everybody on this card was hundred no. percent by any means. No. But and then obviously. It, you see, as we'll talk about the injury list, the fact he still went in there, tried making the best he could of it, got hurt, of it, and still was trying to go on. I mean, kudos to him for just the show must go on mentality. He gave everything he could in that match. Oh, absolutely. So, like I said, it was a little wonky finish, but I, I
0: understand how we got there in the post match scrum. Uh, Jay White had the steal on the show. <laughs> and uh, Jay White, man, just acted like nothing fucking happened wrong out there. Just basically said, hey, I went out there tonight and I beat Adam Cole, I beat Okada. And I be Hangman Page, or as he said, Cowboy dumb shit. Yep. Uh, and uh, he, then he went on to say that if you count that, that's three and zero that I am against uh, uh, Page. I'm four and one against Okada. So when you talk about those guys being the best in the world. I think you need to put my name there because mm-hmm. I'm the guy. And then they went on to ask him about dream matches. He's like, I don't do dream matches. Everybody wants to wrestle me. I'm the catalyst of wrestling. He was like, they were like, he was, they mentioned CM Punk. He was like, well, he was like, I don't care about wrestling. Brian Danielson. What does he got to offer me? I don't care about him. He was like CM Punk's interesting because, well, technically he's the champion. But then again, Mox would be the champion. Well, whichever one of them is the champion when I get around to it will settle that business. So obviously he's make, making a claim that he's going to try to come after that AEW world title.
1: Hashtag thank you, Jay.
0: Jay White, man. Also uh, making fun of the guy who could not put his belt on the uh, <laughs> thing right. And also talking shit to Tony Khan the whole time. Oh, it was, it was epic. Tony Khan's like, that's partially my fault. He's like, you're damn right it is. Yeah. You got to run a tighter ship, my friend. And I was like, holy shit, Jay White is the best. Jay White is the absolute monster on the microphone. Somebody asked him if uh, he was the all-time great Bullet Club leader. No, they said he wasn't. Yeah. So was like, how do you figure? Do you know how old I am? And the guy's like, I know you're under 30. He's like, that's good enough. Do you know my title history? And the guy started listing it off. And then he was like, oh, and I was also this and this. He was like, so five titles. I'm the only real Grand Slam winner in New Japan. And I'm not 30 yet. So I've even been wrestling for 10 years. So you're telling me I'm not the greatest? Yeah. Get out of here. I thought it was beautiful. Oh, Jay amazing. White's a great on the mic, and uh, it looks like we're going to see a little more of him in AEW down the road, too.
1: I'm all right with this.
0: Obviously, we won't be seeing him for the next few weeks, be our next month and a half or so, because of the G1 Climax, and he is a part of that, mm-hmm. starting in July 16th, I do believe. Is the actual yes. Start date. All right. That leaves us with the main event of the evening, Ken M. Mm-hmm. For the interim AEW Worlds Championship, representing all elite wrestling John Moxley, mm-hmm. representing New Japan Pro Wrestling, the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. This match got 18 minutes and 14 seconds. And at the end of the day, and your new AEW Interim World Champion, technically world champion for the second time in mm. a way, right?
1: It counts. John Moxley. So this match was good, I but I kind of feel it was a little lackluster. Um, I said to somebody, it was
0: it was a good match. I I, I know some people really really like this. I think the match before was a better match, even yeah. with the wonky finish. But I didn't I didn't like this match as much. I thought this I, I still thought it was good.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't understand why Moxley bladed other than it's Moxley. Yeah, and he bladed off of a of of a sling blade, which is even weirder.
1: Yeah, there
0: wasn't any weapons. It was it was a sling blade. So everybody knows what the sling blade is, right? Finn Balor does it. Yeah. So is Hiroshi Tanahashi. So it was weird to me, but it's Moxley, whatever. Um, the finish of the match was rough. Yeah. By the way, the AEW crowd in Chicago, mm-hmm. when they went into what they thought was the original finish, booed John Moxley. Yep. Out of the, I've never seen that before. And the let's go Ace Chance. Were
1: resounding. I will say that mm-hmm. that crowd wanted Tanahashi. Absolutely, I think that they knew the dream match that would have made a lot more sense is Tanahashi versus Punk. And also, I think they wanted Tanahashi back in the states a little more. Yeah, uh,
0: but I, I mean, once again, I'm not shooting on John Moxley. Glad he's champion. No, sure, absolutely. But it, you, in the house, that 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 temp, you know, was definitely Tanahashi. And I mean, the end, he ended it, of course, with the Death Dealer paradigm shift they did call it the death dealer because i think kevin kelly called it yeah and because in new japan, japan that's what they call it uh so he wins the match but my biggest problem in this match is the end so yeah. we got this great match you know it's a good match but a lot of people thought it was great but that's what it's, it's the main event right mm-hmm. these two guys have given it their all moxley's covered in blood tanahashi's covered in moxley's blood <laughs> yeah like he bathed in it yeah and moxley says something in his ear and he holds the hand out for the handshake. We get the quick handshake. And then out comes fucking Jericho and Garcia. Sammy Guevara. Or no, it was Garcia. That's right. Garcia was out first. Sorry. Eventually, the whole JAS is out. But they come out to beat them down. Then you know Tweedledee and Tweedledum come out. Mm. Which then brings out Kingston and the Proud and the Powerful. Yep. Which then brings out Hager and Guevara and the rest of the JAS. That's it for JAS, actually. Yeah. So now all the JAS is out there. And that finally brings out wheeler Yuda. <laughs> finally. It took him forever. And then the music hits for Cesaro, which we already know because we've seen Cesaro. We already know he's going to be in Blood and Guts on Wednesday. And they basically go. And, and then Cesaro single-handedly annihilates every member. Of the JAS, mm-hmm. and I mean annihilates. Squash I mean, complete. I mean, two of them ate ricola bombs. Yep. Everybody else ate gigantic fucking uh, European uppercuts for to to take go out the ring.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He annihilates them all, and you're just left with going. So the Swiss Superman doesn't need no help
1: at fucking uh, blood and guts. Obviously, they dropped the ball with this ending. What should have happened? In my opinion, is you have Tanahashi and Moxley do the handshake at the end. Mox gets a minute to pose with the belt. You you hit cult of personality. CM Punk because what's in he doing hometown? today in his hometown? Which why wasn't he on commentary? Was kind of the question I had. You see him walk out, do the belt raising at the top of the stage, say "I'll see you soon" or you know do something like that. That's how you end the show. Instead, we get this WCW 2000 era esque ending. You know where it's just like what are we doing here that you have to have this, this Schmaz run in, and then let alone you have to have Cesaro, who's already debuted. Like, if he was not in the match with ZSJ, he could have just came in, hit that music, and been the surprise, and then everybody could say, is he the guy, is he the guy? And then you do that ending, and then that would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. But instead, no, you ruined the, the main event to put over Dynamite. And I understand it's a blood and guts match, or as we like to call it, War Games! War Games! War Games! War Games! Pretty much. Let's be honest. It's War Games. But this is why this just ruined the the moment that you have a new champion, but that you can't, like, get out of your own way instead of, like, having the prime time to celebrate with the fans. No, we do a schmoz ending for reasons, over a match that is probably not going to be the blow-off match between this feud. Let's just be honest. Mhm. Yeah. I... Reasons.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: WCW 2000. I'm just throwing. Yeah, like it's <laughs> honest to God, it was. Uh and, and by the way, great! It was a really good show. There was just a little couple of hiccups, but that ending was like, phew,
1: that, come on! That guys. really took the wind out of the sails.
0: See, because of that, you know what? I had a lot of great. I loved Orange Cassidy. Mm-hmm. versus Osprey I love the four-way for that Wgp world Heavyweight title obviously the ending was what it was because of what it was but I still love the match yeah I really like the tag match I w- even though I wish I would have gotten more of the six men I still like the tag match the six man was singing it was good the opening six man was a great opener so there's a lot of really good stuff uh, the the women's match very good like there's a lot of good stuff on this card the great stuff and it just was like man they did like the it just didn't Live up to what I wanted to be. Uh, Pat says, Booker of the Year
1: showing is absolute genius. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. The card overall was very solid, and this delivered for great wrestling. Storyline-wise, no, except the only story that ever got told in this match, like you touched upon, and I agree with you. It's Will Osprey and Orange Cassidy. Everything else was just, hey, let's get in the ring and see what happens. Overall, I think it was fair. I gave it a
0: B overall.
1: Yeah, I gave it a B, B-range, just because that ending and I keep driving at it. Like, that's what you remember for most matches. For how this match or this card ended, that was just such a waste of time. Yeah, the two biggest egregious
0: things was the ending of the, the night, which really fucking marks off, in my opinion. Yeah. And then, of course, the wizard fireball for no fucking reason. Like, yeah. Like, the, some of the nonsense that they pulled was just no reason. And then there's, like, little tiny small things, which is, is what it is. And that's just being a fair critic. But for the most part, I thought this was one of the best nights of wrestling action we've seen. I'm a big New Japan fan, so I was happy to see some of the guys I love in New Japan. I thought Shingo had a great outing, although they didn't use him for most of the match, but he did get the win.
1: Yeah, he, he definitely played a role in the match. I thought I
0: thought it was nice to see the old school Young Bucks Bullet Club Young Bucks back. That was great. I I mean, I like I said, my match of the night is definitely uh Cassidy versus Osprey.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, close second would probably be uh, Claudio and ZSJ. I thought they had a fucking phenomenal match as well. And then the third is is going to I think third is going to be the women. Yeah. But it, th- honestly there was a great there there's a separation like the only match that I was really not super high on was the main event. Yeah, no, I'm with you. on. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying I didn't like the finish. And then I didn't like the post match. Like that's what I didn't like. And everything else in the match was like, eh, this is good. I just didn't feel like it lived up to the main event name, especially
1: after what we saw all the all the night before it. Yeah, that's the whole problem with it is this match had great moments, but the ones that stick out were the letdowns. And but this doesn't take away from the entire card. But for everybody that's saying, like, Oh, it's an A, you know, it's the greatest card ever. It's not, but it's still a great card to watch though. For the exactly. interim I work.
0: I, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, One-liner note for after. Of course, Tony did his media scrum. Now they're doing them live on fa- or uh, YouTube. YouTube, which is fine. For the love of God, can we run these media scrums like New Japan? Please. Because, and I don't mind if, if Tony Khan does his, like, opening bits or whatever, but I I don't want to see Tony Khan just staring into a fucking camera while talents are talking or cutting off talent. Yeah. Like he cut off talent to talk and it's like, dude, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares about, I mean, thank you for running the show. Thank you for being the booker. Thank you for being the visionary Tony. But at the end of the day, we don't, we didn't come to hear, we didn't, we didn't come to hear you talk about how uh, forbidden door was. A, if, it, if it did a hundred K, it was a success. I said that from the get-go. If it did 100K, it was a success. And me and the people, uh, we we really enjoyed it. And he hammered that home in between. He said it in the beginning. So there was this nice little 10-minute spot where he had his moment. Mm-hmm. And then he was literally in between saying the same things over and over again. And then he would go back to conversation. Okay, so like before, basically like being like, before we got interrupted with, with the last guy that came over here, I just want to say that uh, we are, we're, 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 what, we're, what's happening here in, in AEW is we're trying to start a partnership and a revolution with New Japan. Uh, Gaido has been a very big help to us. Of course, we met through our very good mutual friend, Rocky Romero. And these are all real things that happened in the in the press conference, by the way. i yeah. verbatim in them. Mm-hmm. And, and and if it has a hundred thousand, we definitely we 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 hit the mark that we need to hit. We hit the mark that we need to hit. And uh, meow, 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 and then literally spends time. And I can't make this shit up. If you want, just watch and <laughs> believe me. Spends time, uh, especially after Jay White left. It was funny. Jay White leaves the table, and he's literally looking past even the uh, to whoever the PR Whoever's, person yeah. is, and he's going. Meh, meh, meh. Uh, what do we have next? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, well, no, no, no. Before you bring them out, before you before you bring out John Moxley, before you bring them out, before you bring him out of the title, let me go back to let me go back to you. Remember before, uh, and, and we'll get to your question in a minute. But we'll go. Let's go back to you. It, really, it just boils down to the fact that this has been a dream to do to do this show for so long, and I'm finally happy to see you there. And even with all the trials and tribulations we got there, and it's fine. Like I. I'm being dead serious. I'm Everything he said was fine, but he could have done that in an opening 10, 15 minutes and then kicked fucking rocks. Said, okay, we're going to bring out the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Jay White. And left. There's no reason for him to sit next to Jay White. And Jay White just used him as a person to chastise.
1: Yeah. Which was funny. No, it was hysterical. Or
0: then sitting next to fucking Moxley and the rest of fucking the, the, the Blackpool Combat Club that comes out with Boxley, And he's just sitting there amongst these guys, and he's like, yeah, yeah, tell, let him know, John. Yeah, yeah, let him know, John. And you're just like, dude, go the fuck away. Like, no offense to you. Go away. Come back later. Come back after the... Like, in New Japan, when the guys come out for press conferences, they come out, they talk to the fucking reporters, they answer some questions, they say what they want to say, they get across real stuff and storyline stuff, and they move on. Meanwhile, we got Tony Khan sitting in between the tag team champions of the world. Mm -hmm. Talking about the FTR. Yeah. And he's sitting in between them going, you you know, I think we told a really good story tonight and and helped you get your next stars. And and I I, I really, really hope, I really hope that everybody knows that how much work Dax Harwood does for this company. He's the MVP. I'm like, Tony, we all know. We've fucking acknowledged that a long time ago. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm just saying, Tony, there's times when your passion is wonderful. I'm going to be honest. There's times when your passion is wonderful. Then there's times where it's fucking annoying. And it's like, let, let's let the guys talk. Do a little 10-15 in the beginning. Come back out and do another 10-15. By the way, you do a pre-One Media Scrum where it's just you. Where you talk for almost an hour. So if you did that and the other, I think that'd be fine. And then let's just hear the fucking wrestlers. I don't need you there just being their hype
1: men. Because they don't need you. Tony. Ken, I'm here. I want you to take a note of this because this is how I think you should do it. Just a humble fan opinion. Don't sit in the media scrum with them post shows. Let the wrestlers talk. And then after everybody gets done talking, come out, address the media then, record it, put it on the podcast, release it the next day. Boom. Do it like how UFC does it with Dana White. They do the post uh, fight breakdowns and such. He goes, does a scrum, you know, obviously by himself, and then he'll go talk to whoever's doing the reporting for ESPN Plus there. That's how it should be done. And if you do that, trust me, people will still listen, people will still praise you, people will still give you your flowers. Everybody will do that. But if you take away from the moment of the wrestlers, it comes off as a bad look in my opinion. And I understand that you're very passionate about your your family, your your wrestling family there. I get it. Hey kudos but how it's coming across to the fans not the ones that are just going to say everything looks great but to the fans it comes off looking very awkward and very puzzling at times so this is why we're just saying and I know you have people that listen to this show so I know this will get back to you have them come out and talk you come out to close it record it put it on the podcast talk to the media give them one hour boom done that's how you should do it. Also, I really want to ask you about your
0: vetting process for the people who come to your scrubs. Because last night you had, as part of your scrub, one of the most controversial figures oh, in I all about that. of wrestling. And I'm just going to, I don't even really want to say the fucker's name because he's kind of a piece of shit. Let's be honest. Every wrestling fan knows who probably the most racist, misogynistic, sexist, and if you don't believe me, just look at his fucking tweets. Gentleman from New York is. There's the hint. Mm. Uh, I don't understand why he was part of your post scrum. And a lot of people didn't understand that either. Yeah. I will say this it worked. It worked because he said nothing but nice things for the first time ever about AEW. Now, mind you, he was one of the most critical people out there, and I'm fine with people being critical. Obviously, we know I'm critical. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not a misogynistic, racist piece of shit. Go back and look at his, his tweet history. It doesn't take you long, but... Um, yeah, ju- uh, just an example. Here's a tweet just left the AEW media scrum. Thank you guys for a wonderful day and a great time at the scrum. Thank you to my mods as well as well tonight. You all held it down big time. Brand new week tomorrow. Prayer emoji. He followed up this morning by saying, "Good morning, everyone." How's everyone feeling after such a big night last night? I am exhausted, but the work never stops. I should be live with Jesse today at some point. I will let you know. Raw tonight and Cena's return too. Like, I he may be trying out for a new leaf. I doubt it. But I mean, I guess inviting him did what it did. It made your him say nice things. Thoughts?
1: <laughs> I have that person on block because I don't like reading that person's stuff.
0: Um uh, I, I unblocked him just so I could read his yeah, stuff right now. I, So,
1: like, yeah, I just, no comment, and we'll just leave it at that. Just, yeah, yeah I don't I don't get it. That, that'll be my official statement. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, I wonder if they bet there. I'm just saying. And I don't know how other wrestling fans feel about that particular person. I know how wrestling fans oh. that I know feel about that particular person. Yeah. But uh, maybe you should bet people a little better. I'm just saying, bruh. Mm-hmm. With that being said, though, that is all our talk for AEW New Japan Forbidden Door. Overall, I think me and uh, Kenan would say it was a success of a show. Yes, very it much. Was, it had problems, of course. Being a critic and being critical—that's what you know. It's our opinion. I, if you love the show, I think that you have all the rights to love this show because it actually was very good. Uh, you know, but our job is to critique things and, and give and give feedback. So there was a lot of uh, very good surprises. As far as uh, I was very surprised by the Sting. Uh, dudes with attitudes match i thought that was way better than it should have been and yeah, I uh, agree. I, i'm very thankful for that once again I, orange cassidy and, and osprey absolutely killed it i think that claudio and zach saber jr killed it uh i, I, I honestly think I, I think everybody killed it for the most part like i said the only match that i really wasn't a huge fan of and i'm not saying it was bad i'm just wasn't a big fan of was the main event uh and i definitely and the only thing i didn't like period well, there's two things. There was the wizard fireball for no reason. And, of course, then the post beat down to set up a dynamite on a huge pay-per-view stage. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I really agreed with those two things. But, hey, listen, if you did, that's fine. And uh, you have that opinion. That's great. Uh, that's why we're wrestling fans. You love what you love. You hate what you hate. But once again, I, I still think this was a very big success for All Elite Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think overall they did do a great job. Um, I don't know what the numbers are going to be like, but it doesn't really matter.
1: No, definitely a win for Tony Khan and company A win for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Hopefully it gets a lot of new fans watching New Japan Pro Wrestling because it's an amazing product that they put out each and every time. And AEW has got to take a celebration for this. Like, I hope it did big numbers for you because the card is very solid from top to bottom. Just a few moments here and there, and especially the ending really stuck out and it really knocked it down a couple letter grades for me. But I would recommend the show to anybody. Absolutely. So, with that being
0: said, we are going to come to our first break. When we come back from the break in the mid-card, we are going to be talking about uh, some more AEW news. So, we're actually going to be AEW heavy on this show. So, for all you AEW fans who don't think that we uh, uh, talk AEW, especially positive about them, I guess you're wrong Mm -hmm. because you're going to hear some really good stuff. And uh, so, we'll be coming back with that uh, during the break. If you're watching on Twitch, you will see the information for the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Uh, not only uh, that, but if you're watching or listening on podcast form, you are also going to hear our good friend Second Suitor. Yes, this song is called "We're Physicists, Bro." It is off of the Super Duper EP. You can find that on Spotify, YouTube, and YouTube Music. Sorry, and Bandcamp also YouTube regular. Uh, mm-hmm. Should throw that out there. Make sure you support them. Uh, so, oh, sorry. It looks like uh, I want to be excited for Claudio, but I see what AW has done with Keith Lee and. We'll come back to that, Stu. I do believe is, is that Stu.
1: Yes, it is. What up, Stu. what
0: up, Stu? We'll come back to that, Stu, because we're going to take the quick break when we come back. Trust me, we'll touch base on some of that stuff as well. So, with that being said, we'll be right back. Listen to some Second Suter. Get the ODPH uh, information. We'll be back in the mid card talking more all elite wrestling.
2: shitty weather, and I've made peace with that. For my lungs to I'll take a breath and show you.
0: That's right. Get it, Kenem. Get that baseline. It is time. We are back for this week's mid card on this week's episode of Six Zero Seven TWS, and we got some more all elite wrestling stuff to talk about. We got some news to talk about, and I know as a whole, wrestling has been plagued with an injury bug lately. Mm-hmm. As a whole, but nowhere has it been hit harder than all elite wrestling. Yeah. As of as of. Right now, uh, AEW has updated an injury list. Okay? Shall we take a look at this injury list? Let's talk about it. Kenny Omega. Okay. CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Brian Danielson. Mm-hmm. Jungle Boy. Scorpio Sky. Adam Cole. This was before Forbidden Door, so he, They said he was working her. Now he's out concussion protocol. Kyle O'Reilly. Bobby Fish. No surprise there. Mm. <laughs> Bobby Fish, that is. Anthony Bowens, we know he's been out with the surgery. Lee Johnson, Darius Martin, Kip Saban, Layla Hirsch, Red Velvet, Sky Blue, The Bunny, Luther, and Bud- Buddy Matthews, but it does note that he can still wrestle. So he's working injured. Okay. Wow. My question, and this is an honest guy question to you. I'll kick it to you and also anybody in the chat. Do you think this is based upon... They're high-risk, high-reward, but sometimes dangerous ways of doing
1: whatever they want during a match. Seems like a lot of guys are out. In my injured. O- in my opinion, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it kind of shows with just how many people are hurt. I mean, obviously, we've discussed in the por- before. Wrestling's not ballet.
2: Absolutely.
1: so So injuries do happen. But that is a lengthy list. And for some of the names that you mentioned, they do take a lot of risks that... In their former organizations maybe they didn't take as many but it's it's alarming to think that this much of a talented roster is out right now and varying timetables too so this isn't like a day-to-day situation except i think from buddy matthews case
0: yeah buddy matthews is the only one currently right now that they're saying can wrestle Mm. Uh, obviously adam cole was working hurt but now with the concussion protocol i don't know what the timeline is on that yeah uh, which, again, to all of those people on the list, get well soon. Absolutely. I would love to see everybody back in the ring. It does hurt kind of on the level of some of the names on the list, but I think that they've done a decent job of booking around it. Mm-hmm. I'll give them credit. Uh, that, I guess that's the nice part of having a robust roster, even though it also means people get lost in the shuffle. To go back to Stu's part at the end of the, uh, the first half about being worried that Claudio is going to get caught in that shuffle. And, I mean, I think that that's a valid – a valid – uh, criticism oh, that a lot absolutely. of people are going are to look at. I mean, there's plenty of people who have been caught in that shuffle. I mean, right now I think he'll be fine with Danielson out mm-hmm. because obviously he has to fill a void. But who knows?
1: I hope not. He's a tremendous wrestler. I hope not either. I hope he gets time to shine. And this is one of the situations that with having such a big roster, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Because as Tony talked about in the media scrum, having that does allow you to still fill out a great card with injuries, such as what they did with a Forbidden Door. But at the same time, it's trying to find enough time for everybody on so many hours of programming, and that's a struggle.
0: I also think that this is there. There's a bigger thing here that that Tony and I. I, I I understood what he was saying, and I, I think it's decent, and I don't think it was coming from a almost apart from Tony. Okay, mm-hmm. I really think Tony honestly meant the best that he did. He, you're working with what you have. Yeah, absolutely. BYU. Sure. However, the bad part about that, in my opinion, is that when people are paying to see CM Punk in Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. and CM Punk is not going to be in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm honest, they didn't book like he was going to. Right. But you saw them sell at the United Center. The only match listed at first was Tanahashi versus Punk. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that went away very quickly. It was the first one gone. Yeah. But day of show, when we see scalpers unloading tickets for 2 or $3 or $4 or low prices, I think that's built off the fact that they those scalpers had bought those tickets originally thinking that they were going to sell them for decent money because CM Punk was going to be in the building. Mm-hmm. And once again, I don't care if the scalpers lose their fucking ass. Sure. Fuck them. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being dead serious. Yeah, Fuck I know. you. But... The telling part of that is, is that how many of the people at home also said, maybe I'm not going to order this. How many people did we see when our friends alone that are AEW fans? Yeah. Now, I'm not going to question your fanhood for if you didn't watch it. No, oh, absolutely I not. get it. It yeah, was yeah. expensive to order. Okay? Especially if you watched it on BR Live. And I don't know how that stream went last night. Thankfully, we got to watch it on cable. Mm-hmm. But... My point being is I think that it hurt the bottom line when you have a Danielson and a CM Punk especially out for this show. Yeah. And so his plug-and-play philosophy, although on a business sense, makes all those sense in the world. That's why I said it's not a shot at him. It doesn't really in reality when you're talking about value. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make a difference? Because, like, Claudio is not CM Punk. Mm-hmm. I like Claudio, but he's not going to draw as much as CM Punk.
1: Sure. No, that makes perfect sense. It's, it's one of those situations where they always say card's subject, subject to change. And it's a situation that you have a roster that you can definitely do. Is it going to add equal value? Depends on your fandom and what you, what you feel is equal.
0: I'm also wondering how many more buys they would have gotten. And it was a great show. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how many more buys they would have gotten if CM Punk's on the card. Or Danielson's on the card. Or, you know, some of the other matches that we thought we were going to get were on the car. I'm just saying, and once again, it's not the fault of All Elite Wrestling. It's not the fault of New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's not the fault of Tony Khan. There's no blame. They did the best of what they had, and I thought they put on a hell of a fucking show for what they had. Absolutely. But when you're looking at fans, and especially fans that we heard, like, oh, the build was not good. I don't think I'm ordering it. And we have interactions with friends of ours
1: who had those thoughts, Mm. and I don't blame a single one of them. No, absolutely not. There's no fault in what they were thinking about because at the end of the day, they're the consumer do they feel that this is worth their money? And I think that AEW and New Japan put on the best card they could with the factors in play. Mm-hmm. If some fans didn't get into it, it's not to say they're not you know, still with All Elite. No, it's one of those situations that with all these injuries, this is where we really saw it take a toll on this card. Absolutely. And, and took a, took a financially little, yeah it took a financial hit and in some fans opinions it was not a good card on paper but they're gonna hear word of mouth from- and they're gonna the, here's the good, the good news of this they're gonna hear word of mouth and it might get them to order the
0: next one even if they're questioning it sure so that's the good news mm-hmm. the bad news is that it did kind of affect the card a little bit so I hope it doesn't affect business overall yes if, if that's if that's how I'm gonna roll with that one because I think it still was great in spite of all of that Mm-hmm. So, but I don't blame people on paper, especially with that injury list, and there's some big fucking names on that list, man. Yes, there is. And then you take out the fact that Andrade couldn't wrestle on the show, and Penta couldn't wrestle on the show, and Phoenix, Phoenix. couldn't wrestle on the show. Although the eight AAA tag titles made it to the ring, which was kind of funny, but
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> reasons, reasons.
0: Uh, so next up, speaking of that injury list, I want to dive into one person in particular because I think this is a problem.
2: Mm.
0: That being Brian Danielson. They were kind of hush-hush on what happened to Danielson. Of course, we all thought it was a leg injury from getting his leg trapped in between the ring. Yeah, Come to find out, is now being reported, and once again, take it with a grain of salt if you will, but it's being reported by the Wrestling Observer, more specifically Brian Alvarez, that and not quite confirmed by TK, but he danced around it in the scrum. I'll give you the exact what he said, that Danielson is out with a concussion. Uh, TK said that uh, he was feeling fine. Uh, and, I, and This is serious enough. I'm not going to. Sorry, JVD. I'm not going to do the TK voice because it's, it's a serious. This counter. is serious, yeah. He said that he was feeling fine, and then he said eight days out, uh, before they made the announcement on Dynamite, he said that he wasn't. He, he he didn't know how. He felt a little weird. So TK said, I'm pulling you. Yeah. Don't worry about it. We're going to pull you. Stay home. He did the right thing. Mm. So this is not me judging TK. I think TK did the right thing in this case. However... Concussions are what ended his career. He did all of those hurdles to come back. He left World Wrestling Entertainment. He, of course, he claims how much he loved WWE. Not said one bad thing about WWE. Been the guy who even when he left, put out that beautiful goodbye package for them. Mm -hmm. But then was public about the reason he left was because they didn't let him do the things he wanted to do because he wanted to be a little dangerous. My question to you is, hearing news of this concussion, once again, I think TK's doing the right thing. No blame to AEW, no blame to TK. Especially, kudos to TK, because he said, no, 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 no. If there's any question, we're not putting you in. We're not only not having you on Forbidden Door, we're not having you up Blood and Guts. So, I think it was the right call.
1: Absolutely, no, I agree with you on that.
0: But, with the fact of his concussions in the past, is this a worry that Brian Danielson maybe did get what he wanted, lived on the danger side, and is this the a, a, a things that come?
1: If this is true and this is the reason he is out, yeah, this is a cause for concern, in my opinion. I feel that Tony Khan is doing the right thing, that the minute that this came up, he immediately pulled him and is going to keep an eye on the situation, and I will actually a- applaud Tony for doing that. But this is still a cause for concern, especially with his history that has been well documented, that this is something he's really got to consider when and if he comes back.
0: Uh, Padawan J says, I maintain, like I said last night, AEW is not testing him like WWE did, and you can't convince me otherwise? That's mm-hmm. fine. He may They might not be. I don't know. I, I really don't know what they're... I know WWE was very stringent on him, so I don't know. Uh, Stu Dunn says, Brian having a possible concussion is scary as goddamn hell. I hate even the idea of that. That's true, but once again... You I, just I, made the I, list. Oh, whoa. That, that was me accidentally hitting the goddamn <laughs> button. Uh, nobody made the list. Uh, but uh, uh, what bothers me about all of this is that if it is, I get not being up front but maybe there should be more clarity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, once again, I'll never say that Brian Alvarez or Dave Meltzer or SRS or whoever is 100% right because they never are. Mm-hmm. But even the fact that this is a rumor and even the way that Tony Khan spoke about it made it sound like there was more to it. It was definitely not a leg injury. Right. Because the leg isn't going to feel different. You know what I mean? You're either going to be able to wrestle on it or you're not. Mm-hmm. So in my, in my case, I'm kind. it makes me a little more nervous about that.
1: I'm just saying. No, I absolutely agree. This is something that you really got to take the most proper precautions with. And especially don't rush him back. You really need to make sure that he's going to be 100% healthy if he's still going to be wrestling in the same style that he was since he's debuted in AEW. Mm -hmm. You have to really take that wrestler's safety first for his livelihood, especially with his history. That trumps everything else.
0: Well, sometimes you have to save the person from themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I'm going to give TK all the credit in the world for this and two things. A, I give him all the credit in the world for how he's handled sending Brian Danielson home, whether it was a concussion or not. Mm-hmm. Because it would have been very easy to just to listen to Brian and say, okay, come back to the ring. No, go home. Yeah, Stay home. When you're better, we'll bring you in. And then, of course, I also, as we did, applaud how he handled the Jeff Hardy situation. Yeah. So I will give him credit where the credit's due, as you always should, that he's that he's doing that. But I think that there's got to be a little bit more proactiveness. And by what I say about that is, and, and this is something that Tony Khan should start, and that's just being proactive and going, okay, this is what we have. These are the incidents with the guys we have. We need to watch this. I'm not saying he has to be WWE levels of concussion protocol on daniel bryan but maybe a little more attention just so we're not going okay we're booking him we're booking him oh shit you don't feel well because the way he made it sound like oh he was feeling fine he was feeling fine then he didn't feel well yeah and i'm like okay that's that's scary because with concussions that means that there's a lingering effect which means you took a massive concussion yeah it's not a minor concussion a minor concussion you get over quite quickly um i don't know once again it's not a pause it's not it's set in stone, but we have to treat it like that could be the possibility. Stu says, if Brian does have a concussion, what do you do with him? You can't possibly let him back in the ring for at least months, right? Uh, to be safe, I wouldn't. And I would assume Tony Khan wouldn't either. I don't see Tony Khan risking
1: him being in the ring. If he cannot wrestle for months, you can either have him do some commentary work. I mean, he's done the talking smack uh, back in the day with WWE. He could be a manager without getting physical. Or... What, what they would probably do in this scenario, depending on how f- Ring of Honor is progressing, pair him that he would be wa- uh, in Wheeler Yuta's corner yeah. as he defends the pure title. So Cesaro could be with Regal, and they could have Blackpool Combat Club on both shows. I, I would say
0: that the nice part right now is with Cesaro, you have a replacement for Brian Daneson. Is he as big of a name as Brian Danson? No.
1: No, but he's still a but name. He's
0: still a name. And he's still very super uber talented. Mm-hmm. So I think that the in a in a possible negative, the positive for Claudio Castagnoli is he gets more TV time, and that's what I would do. If I'm if I'm TK right now, I'm like, okay, let's get you to the doctors. Let's make sure everything's good. Once you have a clear bill of health, yeah. from multiple sources, at least two, yep. Then what we'll do then is we'll still have you off for a couple weeks after that. You know what I mean? So. It could be a while down the road. Who knows? But the nice part is bringing in Claudio helped out. Uh, Stu says, I just mean health-wise. Not how they can use him. No mean. How seriously do you consider going the WWE route and keeping him out
1: longer than he wants to be out? I mean, sometimes you just have to do it. They're going <laughs> to have, <laughs> have to. You have to pull the trigger. This is a situation with his livelihood. it's Like, I understand he wants to wrestle. I understand that they want him back. But at the end of the day, you're talking about his life. And WWE... Really took the time, kept him out as long as possible until they felt that he was in a place that they could monitor it and make sure that he was in good shape. This is what Tony Khan is going to have to do. So if he doesn't wrestle again, I mean, I'm not, I'm hoping he comes back healthy. That's the big thing. If he's going to, I just want him to be healthy, period. Wrestling second period. So if that's not going to be a scenario, then I don't want to see him back. I think it looks like this. You have a
0: guarantee. He has got your key contract. Tony Khan's going to pay him either way. He's not. A, he's not an asshole.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, let's be honest. I'm not going to say that about the man because I don't think he is. So he's going to get paid either way. So that's kind of makes it easier. You just have to have the hard decisions. You have to put on that that father hat or the, the home hat and say, hey, listen, you're until you're clear. You can't wrestle. And the good news for AEW is it's not like you have to rush him back. Yes. You don't have to be like, okay, you, we need you back. You you have to come back. Mm-hmm. Because right now, the nice part about Claudio is you bring in Claudio. Claudio fills that void for right now, and you move on. Uh, and then when he co- and when he's cleared, if and when he's cleared, which I think he'll be cleared, mm-hmm. then you let him back with a full bill of health. But I wouldn't let him back until then. And I think that they're fully capable of doing that. And I think that's TK's point. Yeah. And that's why he shared the story of, oh, if you don't feel well, I'm pulling you... Eight days ago, he's like, I'm pulling you from a pay-per-view and a pay-per-view type dynamite. Yeah. I'm not even, he didn't even go, okay, let's see how you feel for that blood and gut smash. He said, "Not you're not doing that either.
1: No, give him credit.
0: Uh, Pat says, if I'm TK, I'd have him clear at least three concussion tests before he comes back. Hell, even have the person from the Jaguars who tests NFL players test him.
1: Actually, that's a That's good idea. a really good call.
0: They should run him through uh, uh, NFL percussion protocol before he comes back. If that if he has a concussion. Actually, they should be doing that with everybody. I think they should do that with Adam Cole because we know he now he had a concussion. Yeah. So I think that that's, they should really use that resource because it's not like he doesn't... He has to pay that medical staff regardless. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure if they send somebody... Which I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't use them already.
1: It'd be a smart thing to do if he hasn't already.
0: Because... The NFL, say what you will, does have some of the toughest per- percussion, uh, concussion protocols in, mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, could be because of all the lawsuits. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, sometimes out of lawsuits comes big things. Yes. I mean, let's be honest. WWE added a lot of that uh, the drug testing after a bunch of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's it, sometimes there's positives. But yeah, I really feel like I feel, I feel like honestly, I'm going to give Tony all the credit in the world and say he's going to he's going to make sure. Yeah, because I mean, think about it. He didn't play any games with fucking
1: Jeff Hardy. No. He said, yeah, you're going to go get treatment. You're not going to get paid until you do. It's a smart move, and it's a good stance for him, especially as much as we'd like to criticize him for being a very big fan. First, this is a great business thing as an owner to do as well. Hey,
0: you got to give people their props.
1: Absolutely. So let's
0: end on a happier note.
1: Okay. Because we always like to end the mid card and any card we do
0: on a happy note. And this is the probably, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I always knew he was a nice guy. I got the pleasure of meeting the man a couple times when I was working in the wrestling business. And he was always a sweetheart of a human being. But the more and more we hear from him, even though he's out injured, the more you realize how much of a sweetheart Kenny Omega truly is. Mm -hmm. And how much of a fan of pro wrestling and how much of an honest, real guy he is. I mean, we were a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the fact that some fan said about how Roman Reigns couldn't lace his boots and his response was, actually, I think me and Roman would have a tremendous match. You're not the head of a, you're not the fucking money man for a company if you can't work in the ring. And I could get a good, I think we'd have a great match. I think it would be very entertaining. I think a lot of you would be surprised. Yeah. And it's just honest shit like that where he doesn't buy into bullshit. And I think this is worth and I really do think this is because this past week you talked to SI mm-hmm. about the AEW video game, Fight Forever. He said the calling. this may come as a surprise to people, but Cody Rhodes is still in the AEW game. I was very passionate about making sure his legacy and position within the company were preserved. And the reason I want to give a big kudos to him is it seems like, and I'm not accusing anything. It seems like Tony Khan has tried to divert the narrative that Cody Rhodes had nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. It seems like the young bucks have gone along with that narrative. that Cody wasn't a player in this. Somebody didn't tell Kenny Omega Or the more likely is Kenny Omega refuses to talk shit when there's no shit to talk.
1: I'm sure there's still hurt feelings by Tony and the Bucks, in my opinion. I get it. And I, by the way, I I get it. And I get it. And that's, and I understand how they're acting about this. But at the end of the day, Kenny Omega has always done his own thing. He's always been very vocal about saying the right thing, whether it's a popular thing or not in circumstances involving AEW. He's called him out about different areas, and this one I think is the smart move to do as well because he understands. Look, AEW fans love it or hate it. Cody is one of the biggest parts of the AEW company history. Mm-hmm. To just say he never happened and Thanos snap him out of this would make no sense and it's an insult. Kenny gets it. That is why he is Kenny, and that's why he matters when it comes to talking about AEW.
0: Absolutely, and I I, I just think that it's 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 a it's a lighter note, but it is a happier note just because. He's such a good guy. Yeah. And he means the... I, I really do truly think that Kenny Omega means the best in every situation. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he said, hey, I'm going to preserve his his legacy in AEW, I, I feel like that's the right thing to do overall. Yeah, No matter how you cut it, no matter what side of the, the coin you're on, mm-hmm. I feel like that's the right thing to do. Absolutely. And especially since, let's be honest, Cody Rhodes hasn't buried anybody. No. He didn't come out and talk shit about all E wrestling. As a matter of fact, he says nothing but positive things. He says that there was issues, mm-hmm. but those are going to stay between him and the people on that side. Yeah, so- I think he's done a stand-up job. It would be different if he pulled the Chris Jericho, came to the E, <laughs> and started fucking uh, burying fucking Tony Khan and, 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 and everybody else. He's had his chances. He's- and he's had multiple chances. Mm-hmm. He was on fucking Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions. Yep. Perfect time, right? Mm-hmm. But instead... He just has said nothing but nice things. Was there a difference of opinion? Yep. yep. And that's why I'm not there. That will. Will you ever talk about it? Nope. That's between me and the people it's between. Was it per he the only thing he has ever touched on was when they said was it personal? He said yes. But that's why it's between me and the people it was between. Mm-hmm. Never has he said what the who the people are, which right. we, we assume is Tony Khan. Mm-hmm. One of them at least. And then kept it pushing i wish them nothing but the best he puts them over when they're on fucking pay-per-view yeah (laughs) like it's it's so i i think that the one guy who's taking the high road on the other end and i'm not saying the other guys have buried him but they have just kind of ignored the fact that cody rhodes was a member of the founding fathers if you will Mm -hmm. and then kenny omega says "Eh, i'm the one in charge of this game and i said he's staying in yeah not to mention he's still not happy about how the game is going but yeah, at least he's doing his best. He's trying, and also he's not. From what I understand, he's very upset about the women's division in AEW. In in the placement, uh, there's a lot of stuff that I've heard Kenny Omega is not happy about. Mm-hmm. Once again, to his credit, he's 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 pretty keeps his keeps business business. Mm-hmm. So kudos and shout-outs to Kenny Omega. Get well soon because we need to see you in a fucking ring. Hell yeah! But I don't want half-ass Kenny Omega. So take your time.
1: Well, but- we want the best bout machine.
0: I I, I can't wait to see him back in the ring, but kudos to you. Way to be a stand-up motherfucker. I love you. Uh, Get well soon. But like I said, uh, from my my brief interactions with the man, he's always been a good dude. Well, Ken M, we are getting closer and closer to the main event. And we got a big main event this week. Yes, we do. We got a gigantic main event this week. Gigantic. Of course, that main event, we're going to be talking about WWE Money in the Bank what we know of it so far Mm -hmm. we are also going to be talking about the gcw weekend we're gonna be running down a couple cards and just kind of giving a giving out our our thoughts on what you should do and where you should watch them with that being said when we go to this final break you're gonna see the information for the three fighters podcast all the information is there check it out do it with what you will uh that's for the people watching on twitch yes for everybody including the people listening in podcast form you are going to hear the jasons
1: ooh, from west
0: virginia we haven't played them in a while I played them and uh due to the fact that uh we're not going to jump into it but due to uh, some public things of going on in the united states of america it's really hard for me not to bite my tongue so what i'm gonna do is i'm just gonna play i want to be an asshole Because that's what I want to be. This is by the Jasons from West Virginia. Fight the fucking power. When we come back, we're talking money in the bank. NGC fucking W.
1: wrestling fans are you ready
2: uh, let's get ready to rumble
0: it is time to rumble it is time for the main event of this episode of 607 t W.S. And of course, the main event of this show is brought to you by the wonderful sponsors of everything we do here at 8122 production slash 607 Podcast. And that, of course, is Dragon Master Games. For all your magic gathering gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. And if you're in the 607 or passing through the 607 and you're trying to find out about events going on at the shop, it's simple. Follow them on Facebook, Dragon Master Games. And thank you for providing us with the 8122 production Absolutely. Studios. And everything that you do from letting us throw fucking fucking... Uh, watch parties and movie nights and anniversary shows and everything else that we do here mm-hmm. and even have bands here.
1: <laughs> this is true.
0: We've done it all in these hallowed home that we call our home away from home. So, thank you guys so much, truly. And also, thank you for keeping us fucking or uh, advertisement-free. Mm-hmm. I understand that was an advertisement, technically me telling you where to go, but I feel like we have to shout them out a little more than what I do because of how much they do for us and literally... I don't have to turn to podcast, like putting a ton of advertisements in 607TWS or, mm-hmm. you know, we get to plug our band friends <laughs> that yeah. provide us with music. That's why instead of hearing an advertisement, you get to hear Second Suitor, you get to hear the Jasons, you get to hear Tom Jolu, and shout out to Robots and so many more. So That's just my personal opinion and my big love and thank you to my friends. All right, let's talk fucking wrestling, though, because we have one main event. We got a few cards to go through and, uh, you know, not much time. <laughs> well, right, actually, technically, we have all the time we need, but
1: we got a lot to break down. we got down. a lot to break down.
0: So uh, Game Changer Wrestling has got four shows between Thursday and Monday, July 4th. Wow. I can ruin this for you right now. Monday, July 4th, there's nothing announced for the show, and there won't be anything announced for the show until Monday, July 4th, because it is the annual backyard wrestling event <laughs> that GCW does every year. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun show. and It is from someone's backyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I actually do know... I don't know the address of where it is, but I do know what state it is, but I cannot share that. That is confidential because uh, they don't send out the average ad- aver- address until two days before. Mm. And uh, because I am a patron of theirs, I do get to uh, buy ti- I-, I could hit tickets. That's the only way to get them is invite by patron and first come, first serve. Uh, I did not because it is not close enough for me to do that. <laughs> I can just tell you that much. Fair enough. But, uh, so there will be no information. But just so you know, on Monday, July 4th, Game Changer Wrestling will be uh presenting their annual fourth of july extravaganza known as backyard wrestling uh it is real wrestling though but they do a little fun backyard shit that it's it's kind of fun Mm -hmm. uh sometimes in the past they've gone by guys uh, who wrestled were backyard wrestlers but are wrestlers now their names back then i know the Kogar brothers did that a couple years ago (laughs) yeah they wrestled under their uh backyard wrestling names back in the day but anyways i digress but that will be coming up on 4th of July. Uh, as of right now, weirdly enough, Fight.TV does not have all of the information up for any of these shows. Interesting. I'm sure there will be a bundle. Keep your eye on it. It is Monday. I'm kind of weirded out that it's not up already. Maybe it has something to do with uh, the, the, the they're more advertising the Ric Flair gigantic $200 package that yeah. I have no interest in. But whatever. Yeah. So let's talk about what we got going on. First up, we have uh, coming up on th- uh, Thursday the 30th of June, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from the Knights of Columbus Hall in Detroit, Michigan. We have GCW dead on arrival. Uh, Let's go through the card, and then we can talk about it after. Okay. Uh, In a singles match, we have Hoodfoot versus Slade. Another singles match, we have Calvin Tankman versus Ninja Mac. Six-man tag team match. The second gear crew represented by One called Manders, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice will take on Team Horror Slam, Briar Wellington, Malcolm Monroe Third, and Tommy Vendetta. In a singles match, we will get the Iron Demon, Shane Mercer, taking on the Deathmatch Samurai, Akira. In a tag team match, we'll have the King of Wreck Shit Mountain, the ratty daddy himself, Cole Raderick, tag teaming with the bad boy, Joey Janela, to take on Los Mazzisos, Ciclope, and Mado Extremo. In a three-way match, we have all elite Nick Wayne off of his tremendous match with Will Osprey, The East Coast ace, Jordan Oliver. And last but not least, the Motor City Machine Gun, Alex Shelley. And last but not least, the GCW Ultra violent title will be on the line as your champion. Alex Cologne will be defending against Dale Patricks. By the way, Pat says bring back the backyard wrestling video game. It was a fun game, believe. That or was not. a fun game. How do you think about that card from this Thursday in
1: Detroit, Michigan? Shane Mercer versus Akira. Yes. Sold.
0: <laughs> Sold.
1: The the card is, is Sounded absolutely fantastic Cole Radrick And Joey Janela Are teaming up Yes
0: The king of Chick Mountain And the bad boy Joey Janela Against Los Macizos That's going to be a fun match It was one of my favorite teams Coming up Yes Well You don't have to wait long Because The very next night Friday July 1st I do believe this is 8pm Eastern Standard Time But it might be 9pm Because once again Fight.tv Doesn't have it up But I'm going to assume It's 8pm From Pops Nightclub in Suget, Illinois, which is right outside of St. Louis, Missouri, by the way. GCW Gateway to the Death. Ooh. The St. Louis show that's not technically in St. Louis. Yeah, it's right okay, over the border.
1: That's what I was going to say, right with Glory Pro.
0: Yes. Uh, here's the, what we have so far. In a singles match, Delirious, the legendary Delirious, we'll go one-on-one with Effie. Tony Depp in 607TWS's favorite asshole... Is going to go one-on-one with all elite Nick Wayne. Next up, we're going to get Axton Ray going one-on-one with Ninja Kamikaze Mac. Gringo Loco goes one-on-one with Graveheart, a.k.a. the best in the fucking world, Blake Christian. Making a return. And let's be honest, you might not think this guy is great, but he has found the fountain of youth in GCW We're talking about the one and only legendary two cold Scorpio goes one-on-one with Ali catch the reigning undisputed GCW ultra violent champion. The belt is not on the line here. It might change, but it is not announced on the line. Alex Cologne is going to go up against one-on-one with the king of wreck shit mountain. Our good friend, Cole Radrick. And last, but certainly not least, the bad boy, Joey Janela, goes one-on-one with the American Wolf, Davey
1: Richards. That is a freaking stack card. Is <laughs> Cologne Roderick a death match? And it is not announced as such as of right now. Okay. I'm
0: assuming because it's in Illinois, and maybe that's why they chose to be across the border, because I don't know the rules in Missouri, but I know in Illinois they can have death matches. I'm going to go on a limb and say yeah. that Alice Cologne versus Cole Radderick will probably be for the ultra title. But it is not so far announced as a death match.
1: Okay. Either way, that's going to be a sick match. Graveheart versus Gringo Loco. Mm-hmm. And then Joey and Davey. Like, And then, like, the whole card is loaded. Yeah. Their their debut in the greater St. Louis area. Loaded. Yeah. Absolutely amazing card. Well, we got another show
0: that has some announced. It hasn't been fully announced yet. Of course, reminding you, July 4th, Backyard Wrestling, none of it will be announced until right before. Mm -hmm. But the day before that. So they have a Thursday night and a Friday night show. Then they have a Sunday, July 3rd show. As they return to the Evansville Coliseum in Evansville, Indiana, for Game Changer Wrestling's Rock and Roll Forever. Mm. Ready for this card?
1: Let's talk I'm about it. I'm assuming
0: it's gonna be an afternoon card, but once again, when it's up on fight, keep your eyes posted on at OD Parlay Hour and also at Three Fat Nerds Pod, as we will retweet when all of this is is as settled. Because again, I don't understand why it's not up on fight, but it's not quite up on fight. It will be on fight, though. All of these shows will. Uh, we have the bad boy, Joey Janella going one-on-one with the king of Ruckship ship, Mount Cole Raderick. So they're tagging on Thursday, and they're fighting each other on Sunday. <laughs> Wrestling. We're going to get, representing that Big Starks brand, Calvin Tankman, which I'm excited always to see Calvin Tankman. Mm-hmm. He's going one-on-one with East Coast ace, Jordan Oliver. Our favorite six oh seven TWS's favorite asshole Tony Deppen is going one on one with Kerry Morton. Of course, that is the son of legendary Ricky uh, Morton. Ricky Morton's Yep. In a singles match, the West Coast legend, the Dark Sheikh, returns to a GCW ring to take on Space Jesus Billy Starks. Ooh. And in the main event of the evening, the Rejects John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley will be in a tag team extravaganza against the WWE Hall of Fame team, making one of their last appearances I what from what I've heard. The Rock and Roll Express, wow. Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Yes, the actual Rock and Roll Express. I understand they're a little older now, but they still get in there and get it done. If you haven't seen Ricky Morton wrestle lately, it's a beautiful thing to watch him do a Destroyer. Yep. But uh, I know that Robert Gibson has not been wrestling much lately. uh, Ricky Morton has been teaming with Kerry Morton Mm -hmm. to do the Rock and Roll Express tribute tour. This is going to be, I don't know if it's the last one, but I know that Robert Gibson said he doesn't have too many more, and Ricky Morton said GCW takes care of us. So they agreed to come into Game Changer Wrestling for one of those matches. That's why we're getting Rock and Roll Forever.
1: That's why they named it that. If memory serves me right, I believe Ricky Morton did say this is the last time he's wrestling in Evansville. Yes. So, so last time it's in Evansville for yep, sure. But it's going to be one of the last matches right, right, of but,
0: their career.
1: But for how many times they've wrestled in, in their I mean, that's a legendary spot for them. So that's going to be a huge match. And my God, man, that card is loaded too. I, I got to throw this out there. A lot of shit gets talked about Brett Lauderdale.
0: But the guy makes dreams come true. Yeah. Remember, they wrestled at that Outlaw Mud Show in South Dakota because that was the only state. Or Wyoming. Oh, Wyoming. It? Sorry, it was Wyoming. You're right. That was the only state Ricky Morton never wrestled in. So yep. he found that out and he booked the show just so Ricky Morton could wrestle in that state. He booked Action Mike Jackson, 72 years young, because in his 50-plus year career, he never worked in New York City. So he made sure he got to work in New York City. And now, just because they wanted one last time in Evansville, he's booking the legendary Hall of Fame Rock and Roll Express and calling the show Rock and Roll Forever so it's not... Obviously, you know what it is, yeah. but obviously so they can have that one last time in a in a in a Coliseum that they're very familiar with and have a lot of fans. I'm sure the crowd's going to be fucking rowdy. No, it's going to be loud. And the Rock and Roll Express is going to be there. So I'm just saying I'm not saying he's the greatest guy on the planet, because trust me, I would never accuse him of that. But I'm also going to say for all the detractors, the
1: dude does a lot of nice things for people. Yeah, you got to give him his credit. So shout out to you, Brett. And this man, the cards thus far. And Grant, we're not going to know about backyard wrestling till day of show, arguably. Or a little bit of before. Little you bit. might
0: hear some of the matches. Once again, once we hear stuff and I get it confirming from stuff, we will yeah, pass we'll it on it to out. you. Once again, I'm not
1: sure why none of this is up on Fight. It's weird. Yeah, but the, just the whole weekend in general, though, this is some of the best wrestling you're going to watch all weekend, let alone all summer. And by the way, I'm sure there's a wonderful package for all of this. Oh, yeah. So just keep your eyes out. We'll be, obviously, tweeting it out. So you, need, you know where to find us. So we'll make, definitely make sure you get a chance to go get this, these cards. And my God, man. And also make sure you're following Game Changer Wrestling on
0: Twitter, yes. Instagram, and anywhere else you can find Game Changer Wrestling. Yes. All right. With that being said, though, let's talk about WWE's big uh, deal. Because you know how funny this is? So Brett's got a show, GCW, mm-hmm. Thursday. Friday, Sunday, Monday, in sandwiched in between there, WWE has got one of their biggest shows of the year, a show that a lot of controversy. Because mm-hmm. remember, this show is originally supposed to emanate from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, where the o- where the Las Vegas Raiders. As a Raiders fan, I do slip and say Oakland occasionally, but now is not coming to you from Allegiant Stadium because. Let's just, we'll be honest. Let's, let's, we, we always are honest here at 607 TWS. Facts. We are the Pull No Punches Wrestling Podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. We don't
0: care if we ruffle feathers. We're always going to give you the honest opinion that it takes. We don't chase shit for clicks. Mm-hmm. That should be one of our shirts, along with a Lance Storm tweet shirt <laughs> that I may or may not have in my phone. I don't know if Padawan J has even seen that. I might have to send that to the group. I know Ken Am has. Yes. Anyways, uh, I digress. I digress. I got off my horse a little bit, okay? Okay? I'm getting a little older. Sometimes I get confused. <laughs> uh, I wonder if I could sell that shirt. Well, I could. Huh. Anyways, uh, let's get back to the yes. case of hand. But we're going to call it how it is. WWE, Nick Khan, whoever the fuck was in charge of this. Because it wasn't Jeff Jarrett at the time. Maybe no. this is why they brought Jeff Jarrett in. I think this is, honestly, you know what? Jeff Jarrett got hired right after this debacle. So I really feel it make a lot of sense. Son. I really feel like Jeff Jarrett being the executive vice president of live events happened as a result of this. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't confirm that. That's only an opinion, but eh, I mean, if you know, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it is a fucking duck. Quack quack. So, anyways, Nick Khan, because it was a Nick Khan decision. Remember, he was the guy that was going to do all these stadium shows. Decided that for whatever reason he was going to book a stadium show at the same day. The UFC was doing International Fight Week from Las Vegas Mm -hmm. at the T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. Wasn't smart. Give them credit. They sold 24,000 tickets. But now they had to go down to the smaller 15,000 seat MGM Grand. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyways, this upcoming Saturday, live on the Peacock. The Peacock. At 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For those of you who are not watching the fights, I don't know. Are we watching the fights? I don't know what we're doing that's yeah, going to be a game time we'll talk about that but anyways 8 p.m. eastern standard time peacock cock cock we got WWE money in the bank from the mgm grand <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the card that they have announced so far. I know uh, currently while we're on, because every t- week that we're on, uh, Monday Night Raw is on. Of course, SmackDown will go down as well. And I'm sure that they'll fill out the card. But there is, uh, they got six matches announced so far, six official matches. I'm sure there's more being added as we speak. Sure. So let's run down what we have on the show. So we have a WWE United States Championship match, your champion theory, defending against the almighty Bobby Lashley.
1: That's going to be a good match. Who you got? I'm going to go with a hot hand right now, and I'm going to say Austin Theory.
0: Theory going over? Uh, you know, I'm going to say, due to uh, recent scandals, Bobby Lashley going over. Mm. You know, unfortunately, Theory's going gonna to have to pay. <laughs> Next up, we got the undisputed WWE tag team titles on the line. Your champions, the Usos, going to take on the Street Profits. Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. Of course, Montez Ford tearing up the internet. With how jacked he wow. is.
1: Wow. Yeah. If you haven't seen him lately. Wow.
0: Uh, okay. Pat is, is filling us in. Thank you for adding that, Pat. I will talk about it when we get there. Thank you, though. You're the band.
1: So, uh, who do you got here? And new or and still? I'd love to say and new, but I think it's going to be and still till further notice. I'm going to agree with you. I think it's going to be and still, but I'm rooting for and new. I'm rooting for and new. I too. love,
0: you, got, you know me, though. I'm biased as fuck. Yeah. I love the Street Profits. Mm hmm. By the way, and uh, you know what drives me nuts sometimes with indie workers? I've said this to you before. When they set up online mm-hmm. beefs, whether it's written or, you know, they're doing storylines on fucking Twitter and Instagram. And I get it, guys. You should plug the shows you're on, but it's always driving me nuts. And once again, I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying I, it's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. It always has been, whether it's video or chat. or it just It's weird to me because you're doing it a lot of times from a a, a a twitter that's your personal twitter or personal facebook and it confuses the shit out of your friends yeah but on top of that it's not just drawing in wrestling fans if you're doing it from a a, a fan page then
1: then that's a different story
0: all game, all bets are on mm-hmm. if your twitter or instagram or whatever is a fan page where you just do wrestling business kudos if it's not Think about it. A lot of guys wrestle in multiple different places. So even if you have a fan and that fan lives in fucking Ohio and you're talking about a show taking place in upstate New York, it's not going to work out so well. Yeah. They're not coming. Uh, But whatever. WWE took a page out of that book because they've been building this WWE SmackDown Women's Championship match in a fucking Twitter beef, an Instagram beef, a Facebook beef, because your champion Ronda Rousey going up against an Italian. I'm going to be honest. I don't give a fuck.
1: It's going to be end still.
0: Of course it's going to be An still. Yeah. Are you fucking insane? Are you insane? Of course it's going to be still. <laughs> Doesn't mean I fucking care.
1: No, I, the only thing that, is, uh, that has any interest for me about this is they're now finally going to get around to Shayna Baszler fighting Ronda. They're finally starting to set up seats for that. I, I like it. I like it. Uh, for the WWE
0: Raw Women's Championship, your champion, the EST of WWE, Bianca Belair, it's going one-on-one with Carmella because of reasons. At least Carmella won't be a Money in the Bank.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is going to be end still because obviously it's Becky and Bianca going to happen at SummerSlam. Let's be honest. Very possible.
0: Let's talk about that Women's Money in the Bank because they have almost all of that set up except for one spot. Okay, and Pat hasn't corrected me to tell me that that spot has been settled yet. So we have the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Of course, the winner gets the contract What shot anytime they want in the next year. Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Gonzalez, Asuka, and Shotzi are all confirmed for the match. The last spot is up for grabs, mm-hmm. and that'll either go to Dewdrop, Nikki Ash, Shayna Baszler, Tamina, Becky Lynch, or Xia Li. We are fully anticipating this going to Becky Lynch. I'm assuming, right? I'm actually going to go on a limb and say Shayna Baszler. Think Basil, you don't think Banks is even going to make it in the match or Becky big uh, big time Banks is going to make it in the match? I uh, see.
1: I for me she should be in the match but she doesn't need to be in the match. That's true and if they're setting up a SummerSlam match you're not going to do it with the briefcase. That's why I'm that's why I'm going to say that's the only reason I'm going to say Shayna Baszler just because they've been doing these weird online teases with her and Ronda these vignettes uh from the from the shows. So that's why I'm going to say Shayna Baszler gets in and she wins. That'd be in an cool. Upset that nobody sees. That'd be
0: cool. Uh, by the way, Tamina, big time winning. Uh, she just got a house from her cousin The yeah, Rock, and that kudos. was very. By the way, very touching. I I, I brought a tear to my eye. Mm-hmm. How good is The Rock? I'm just saying, yeah. taking care of her. That was fucking awesome. It was. If you did not see that touching moment on the internet, go find it. Go find it. It Was very worthwhile. Uh, very awesome thing that The Rock did. Uh, let's talk about finally the men's money in the back match. Confirmed for the match, we have Seth. Frickin' Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Omos, Sami Zayn, just added because Pat's said is on the internet now. Riddle and one TBD.
1: Well, let's be honest, it's Cody. Nah. I mean, I can see him coming out just with win the briefcase. Yep, it's gonna a be- la Brock Lesnar. Yeah, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the lesson remover. It's gonna be like with Otis, how it falls from somebody else's hand, and it just Cody will pick it up. That's how it's gonna end. That's your call. Calling that shot. Calling it right now. You've been calling it for a long time. You know what? I believe you. I I don't know why, but I believe you. (laughs) Because this is is something that would happen. Because fully, everything is setting up for Cody to get that title shot against Roman.
0: Well, that's because we need to hear adrenaline in my soul. Something, something. something, something, Cody Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. Uh yeah with his injury and stuff I'm not saying he's coming back to wrestle but I could definitely see the Brock Lesnar finish
1: oh yeah absolutely like he'll sneak in like the pot, it'll go off the fans will lose it he'll run in and somebody will drop it they'll get music you're nervous here in the music and I'll just drop in like Cody will come through the crowd or something get it
0: I'd be all for that by the
1: way yeah but with
0: that being said that is money in the bank this upcoming Saturday July 2nd from the MGM Grand Arena at the wonderful MGM Grand Casino yes From Las Vegas, Nevada. Once again, just a bumblefuck of the... uh, Why would you book that on that internet? You know what? Tony Khan was right when he judged them for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he had had every right to because, you know, that is one that you're kind of feeling yourself a little too much there that you think that you can just sell it out because it's WWE. Which, under normal circumstances, I would say maybe, but if you're not familiar with the UFC, it's International Fight Week. It's the biggest fight week of the year. Hall of Fame inductions, they really load up the card. You don't run anything against it in the same city that night. Vegas is off limits. Agreed. So uh, you know, you learned the hard way with this
0: one. Padawan Jay says Cody has posted on Instagram he has started rehabbing his injuries. So there's See? You. a positive yeah. note. He'll, positive he'll note. be there. He'll be there. Well, Ken M, that is going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of 607TWS. But before we go, could you let the fine folks know how to find yourself and the Ocho Duro
1: Parley podcast one more time? Absolutely. So if you want to talk to myself, Padawan J, who's in the chat always, and your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, wherever he is these days because, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. He's I've,
0: st- I've currently heard he's been camping under the boardwalk in Atlantic City.
1: I have heard something along the lines I have lines no
0: confirmation law. on that. I, I heard he took the Knicks news really bad from the
1: draft. Oh yeah, that's that's a very sore subject right now, especially with the late-breaking stuff involving uh, Kyrie has opted in. To Brooklyn. Yes, I heard that as well. So, for all that talk, and then you want to catch up to us on our social media accounts and all that and so much more, odphpodcast.com. Keep it short and sweet.
0: All right. And, of course, for 3Fatner's Podcast, 8122productions.com. All the links are there. I think I, I can keep it short and sweet there as well. Also, talking to us online is pretty easy. Uh, 3 Fighters Pod, throwing that in front of it if you have to. And, once again, 8122productions.com. I can't say it enough. All the links are there. Go ahead and have fun with it and, and run wild, of course. Tomorrow, if you're not on Patreon. Mm-hmm. You get the new episode of the Three Fat Nerds Podcast. We're during the 3FN Movie Club Review, which we do each and every week, we're talking Elvis.
1: Yes. I can't wait to hear this.
0: And trust me, uh, I'll give you a little clue. Uh, During the non-spoiler stuff, I'll just tell you, both me and Diesel give it the thumbs... uh, Actually, all three of us gave it the thumbs up as a recommendation to go see it. So if you have not seen Elvis yet, go ahead and go and see it. Uh, With that being said, uh, if you're on Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions... That's already out for you yes. <laughs> With that being said though I digress I digress I, I never Ladies and gentlemen It's been another fun week Here at 607TWS As always We love chatting with you We love talking Pro wrestling And most importantly we love just hanging out and being a part of it. So no matter how it's going on with everybody at home, we hope everything is fine. And we hope we bring a little bit of respite for you for a couple hours each and every week. Whether you watch us live on twitch.tv slash Six Hundred Seven podcast on the replay on twitch.tv slash podcast or in podcast form, anywhere you get wonderful and great podcasts by searching 607 TWS. With well, that being said though, it is time for us to say goodbye next week. We will be back. Now, mind you, once again, editor's notes. We have not decided when we're recording next week because of the 4th of July holiday. I can tell you right now, it'll probably be sometime between Sunday and Tuesday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We will let you know via the social medias when we will be going live uh, and at what time. And of course, as you know, shortly thereafter, within a couple hours, I have the uh, audio up for the podcast version. So if you can't listen to it, if you can't join us live, you can at least uh, listen to us. So it'll either be, like I said, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, whatever day. We'll figure it out between the two of us after we figure out everything that's going on for the celebration. So if you are, in case we don't talk to you before, yes, uh, the 4th of July, have. If you live in the States, have a safe... And happy 4th of July. Please don't do anything silly. Don't drink and drive. Don't blow your hand off with fireworks, please. We, we, we want to keep all of you guys around. We hope you have a safe and good time on the 4th of July holiday. If you're in America, if you're one of our international listeners, we hope you have a fucking wonderful week. Own mm-hmm. that shit. Have a good time. And watch some great wrestling because next week we will be breaking down what happened on the, GCW, on the four GCW shows. We'll be breaking down money in the bank. And we will talk about any wrestling news that pops up between now and then. But until then, for myself, for Ken M, we bid you adieu. Ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later wrestling fans.
2: Maker, my heart so damn hard I can no longer stand in this room. I'm starting to swoon. The walls made of neon, but I can't stop looking at you. Looking at you. And I've got a To shatter the hourglass Emptying all of the sand This moment is infinite Dancing along with the band Will you sing with only one wing The angel I've looked for And she can't stop looking